Coming up this week, off screen. The Sicario becomes a soldado. Shailene Woodley is adrift. Jeremy Renner plays tag. Emily Mortimer opens a bookshop. And a cult drama gets endless. All those to come and more, off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Gogh. I'm Kelly Needham. Welcome back, Kel. You've not done this in ages. I know. Sloppy thirds again, as usual. Because <laughs> it's usually Case, then John, then you. Then me, you there's know. A, there's a packing order, and then somewhere down the line we get to uh, Jeremy Renner, because that's how franchises work. Sooner, sooner like you run out, you just, just get Jeremy Renner. He's just that guy. He's always there waiting. He is. By the phone. That's, absolute, that's, that's literally what happens. <laughs> See, you want to do a Bourne series, and then we don't know if we're going to carry on. Screw it, just get Jeremy Renner. And then you want to do a Mission Impossible series. We don't know if we can get Cruz back. Screw it, just get Jeremy Renner. Just get him. And, and then nothing comes of it. Well. I'd imagine he must get paid pennies on the dollar at this rate. I don't know. He was in that advert as well, wasn't he, for like phones like family phone plan and oh it was god like, yeah that was the purple thing wasn't it like yeah. the, the superhero purple family kind of incredibles thing yeah. wasn't it yeah there but, you go oh well so um aside from bashing mr renner and he's he's perfectly fine we love mr renner he's freaking hawkeye he's he's freaking hawkeye exactly <laughs> or, or apparently ronin in the next one but oh. never mind but uh, it's, that's a comics thing anyway um so before we get to the news before we get to the reviews top five all the good stuff all, all the goodies all the chocolatey goodness. Mm. Um, we need some film news to start. Uh, what you got for me? What, what you got to start us off? I've got breaking news here. This is breaking as well, it isn't is. it? Yeah, go on. What we got? So Jared Leto apparently is going to play the lead in a Spidey spin-off, which is called Morbius. Right. Okay. So this... tell me more. I have no idea. Right. Okay. I'll be honest with you. Morbius is a character. Mobius. I, th- I always thought it was. I always thought it was Mobius, but it is actually Morbius. There's definitely so... an R in there. Right. My knowledge of Morbius, I'm going to be really honest, largely comes from the 90s Spider-Man animated series that in the UK, mm-hmm. we used to get on, was it Live and Kicking or Going Live? One of those it was one of the two. Saturday morning BBC One kid shows? Yeah, yeah. Because it used to be like a 20 minute cartoon and you'd get it in two halves yeah. and they never told you when the second half was going to be on. Just to keep you interested. Yeah. So you like turn on like 9.40 and watch the first 10 minutes and then exactly. you have to sit through like an hour of Emma Forbes and Andy Sweet Peters. Valley High. Yeah, like dossing around, and then you got, <laughs> eventually they got to the, the second half. You know, that was how it would. And Morbius, I always remember from my favourite arc of that series, which was mm-hmm. the man spider thing. He basically is, he's a scientist. He's like a, a class, a rival classmate of Peter Parker's. Okay. Who, I think he's Eastern European. So he's meant to be young. He's young. He's meant mm-hmm. to, well, I mean, obviously all of this is changing. Because, for instance, in, in the next Spider-Man movie, which apparently, spoiler alert, is going to be called Far From Home. Yes, That's, big spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, well, Tom Holland spoiled it, so I yes, think we're okay. As long as Tom Holland's doing the spoiling. Bless it. You know, and he does that a lot, doesn't he? And, and he's not good. He's not good <laughs> at secrets. He's not at all. But, uh, yeah, so apparently in Far From Home, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's going to be Mysterio. And nice. Okay, so they're going to play with the continuity a little bit. And they played with you know, the idea of the vulture last mm-hmm. time around. Mm-hmm. But So now we're going to get, you know, Morbius is going to be Jared Leto. So I'm sure maybe he'll be a teacher or a college professor or something like that. But the idea is he's an Eastern European uh, rival of, of, of Peter Parker's. He tries mm-hmm. to cure himself of a disease or run an experiment on himself and he becomes a vampire. 
vampire, plasma sucking vampire. Ooh. And he's, he's, instead of fangs, he has little like suckers on his fingers, like Ooh. in his paws. Ooh. So he, he literally places his, his, his hand, his palm on your like chest and he sucks the plasma out of you. It's and not as sexy, is it? It's not quite. Is I mean, he sparkly when he's in the moonlight. No, he's kind of greeny grey actually, <laughs> with like a, a flat top. That's We've really moved on from the sexy vampire phase, haven't we? We have. I mean, I just imagine the Twilight series would be very, very different if <laughs> it was all about like palm plasma sucking. <laughs> and presumably as well that this is going to be like Venom, where it's in no way connected to the MCU. Yes, it's in no way connected to the MCU. And in the case, I, I'd imagine just as with the case of Venom, it will make increasingly little sense that mm. it exists if it isn't. Because I'm sorry, I'll never quite get over the idea. If Venom isn't Venom because of Spider-Man, why does he look like evil Spider-Man? Exactly. It doesn't make sense. Maybe they've thought of something. Maybe it's in the film. We'll see. <laughs> Pretty much. Those Venom trails are terrible, aren't I they? I know. They're really, and you're a really big Tom Hardy fan. I am. Mind you, when he did that Sky advert with the cup of tea in the cafe, I thought, what's going on? Oh, good Lord. What's that going on, terrible. Love? What's going on? Anyway, have you heard who's going to uh, lead the project? Oh, is this is this Daniel Espinosa? You, it is. You, you mentioned this to me. It is. So Daniel Espinosa directed a safe, uh, not safe, a uh, safe house mm-hmm. with Ryan Reynolds and Denzel. Denzel. And then he directed Life. Uh, yes. Was it last year? The year before with Ooh. Gyllenhaal. Last year, I want to say. With Dylan Hall and Ryan Reynolds. And and Rebecca Ferguson, who's not the one from The X Factor, but actually the other, actress from... Yeah. Yeah, the other Rebecca the other Ferguson. One, yeah. It's so rare that we get to say The X Factor one is the original, isn't it? Because <laughs> like, usually The X Factor is the cover. Yeah. So, you know, we just yeah. like to flip it on its head. But that was. Do you remember when? Uh, do you remember back when that movie was out and there was that whole rumor thing that Life was going to be like a stealth prequel to Venom? Oh, like, no! That was like a, it was like a rumor for like six months. I don't and then know. everyone saw the movie and like, no, actually, the movie just kind of sucks. But so I've still not watched it. Actually, it doesn't suck. It's it's okay. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. It's got some it's, pretty men in it, so yeah, I was kind of... It's pretty you know, men. Pretty yeah. men. But, uh, okay, so we uh, we need to do some plugs, so let's plug our podcast edition. Let's do it. Uh, we're big in the podcast, though. How can the folks hear us? How hear us rambling, as we always do when it's you and I. Well, there's the radio edit, which I presume most people listen to, and then there's uh, there's extended version where we pack in all the film news and the reviews that we can't do on mm. the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the moment of cage, naturally. Yeah, because we can't forget that. I've got a doozy for you this week as well. Ooh. A doozy for you from a Nicholas Cage movie I've never seen. What? I've only seen through clips. What? But uh, I know because the movie just looks terrible and I just can't bring myself to watch it. Yeah, but like, isn't that the joy of Nicholas Cage? It is, but let's not forget that Nicholas Cage's next massive film is Nicholas Cage versus a Jaguar on a ship. Sounds amazing. I can't wait for that. Mind you, having said that, I tried to make my way recently through Inconceivable. Oh, that's awful! Oh, I had to turn it off, and like it's, I can make my way through some rubbish, as you well know. But what I what much. I really love about that is the wife is Gina Gershon, mm. and the surrogate mum because it's like a nineties suburban thriller. Yes. Is it one of those like adult thrillers you used to get in the nineties? Yes, but a really, really rubbish version. Really bad. Like what was the one Catherine Heigl did? Oh, Un- unforgettable. Unforgettable. Yes, that was awful. Inconceivable is not as bad as Unforgettable. They've always got the same kind of titles. Well, exactly. But. Um, yeah, the 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 who is the the surrogate mum that they had in I that? She was the blonde lady from the le- the last series of Scrubs. Yes, the Australian lady. I can't remember what her name is. She's very pretty. In she's very pretty, but she's dreadful in it and naked a lot. Yes, 
the, a lot, lot of nudity in that. And of course, she's a lesbian. Because, oh, of course, like, snatch, snatch, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I, I digress. Podcasts. Podcasts, yeah, they're a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, go on iTunes, Acast, Deezer, TuneIn, Libsyn, pick your podcast platform of choice. Spotify? Uh, Spotify, I believe we're on there now. That's It's sort of a work in progress, that one, because I think you have to feed through Libsyn. Anyway, um, yeah, so go on there, off screen. It's on there. It's noticeably about 30 minutes longer than the radio edits. And it's all me. And it's all fun. <laughs> well, that's Slash true. you. Slash but there you. we are. Okay, so uh, first review of the week. And we're going to put our strong foot forward first. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about Sicario, colon, Soldado. Or Sicario 2, colon, Soldado. Or Sicario, colon, Day of the Soldado. What or, on earth is a Soldado? Or, well, this is the thing. Do you remember when Sicario came out? And yeah. the tagline for the movie was Sicario means means assassin. I don't even remember that. That was the tagline for Sicario. The, the tagline was literally to explain the title. And I think they missed a trick because the tagline for Soldado should have been Soldado means soldier. Ah. ah, so it's gone from assassin to soldier. So what you've got is a sequel that uh, removes Emily Blunt. So oh, Emily, she's not, in it. she's not in it. No Emily Blunt. No Daniel Kaluuya either. Oh, right. But the rest of the world stays intact. So it's set within the world of the first movie, mm-hmm. and it takes place. It's not specified, but you know, you'd imagine it to be sort of two years later because the film okay. is two years later. And uh, <clears throat> right. So the general gist is there's a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. There are ties to ISIS that have gone through the cartels, the Mexican cartels Mm -hmm. and the u.s government represented by the secretary of defense who's matthew modine if you remember the first movie yeah uh, they turn to it's either graves or graver and it it varies depending on whose synopsis you read (laughs) played by josh brolin Mm -hmm. aka best head of hair in hollywood naturally and he's having the best year of his career he really is because like three massive movies in like six weeks yeah but a lot of people don't know about avengers like is anyone? Do you know? Do you all know there's an Avengers movie out? Like there's this movie, like superheroes are in it, and there's a big purple dude that they fight, and he's not like Grimace. He's yeah. like a, an alien warlord dude, and that's that's. Job it was role. Loki. 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 It's purple Loki. Yeah. Loki. Per- perky. <laughs> Perky? Perky. Sure. Purple Loki is perky. <laughs> so, uh, the US government turns to their favourite black ops man, Mr. Graves, slash Graver, depending on who you read, and they ask him, right, we want you to eliminate the cartels. And he says, very simply, right, I'll do it, but I need to get dirty. And they say, cool, that's what you're good for. He then turns to his best man, Alejandro, played by uh, Benito del Toro from mm-hmm. the first movie, um, who you might remember, bit of a ruthless git. If you ever saw the first one. Uh, you know, there was a bit of violence in that yeah, film. He, he was offing cats left, right and centre in the first one. It, it was a bit grim. I mean, I his business card literally read, Alejandro, <laughs> kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> um, in this movie, basically, the, the general plan they come up with is a false flag operation. So what they decide to do is they, uh, they decide to abduct the mm. teenage daughter of the head of a cartel. Mm-hmm. A cartel to whom Benicio's character has personal ties. You'll get this in the clip in a minute. Um, and this all this this is designed to start a war between the cartels. Oh, I see. However, it quickly spirals out of control. Local police get involved. The local government gets involved. The U.S. government starts to panic and tries to shut the operation down. And what you have then are two parallel storylines. You have Graves on the northern side of the border, trying to handle the political side of it, trying to be like. 
keep my boys in there. Come on, we've got this going. Mm-hmm. If you want it, if you, you've got to have the nerve to see this through. And on the other side of the border, you've got Benicio and the teenage girl, played by Isabella Monet, who, uh, Mona, I think her name is, uh, who was the fe- young female lead in the last Transformers movie. Uh, sure. And uh, the young Mexican girl that uh, Mark Wahlberg's character kept referring to as J-Lo, because racial sensitivity is a hallmark of Michael Bay movies. Woke. Yeah, she's also going to be the lead in the Dora the Explorer reboot next year. So that's actually happening. Um, So you've got Benicio and the teenage girl, and his mission is to try and get her to the border, get her to safety. However, the US government have ordered graves. This can't happen. We need rid of the girl. So there's something of a moral quandary. And here's a clip. No rules this time. Turning you loose. How loose? Carlos Reyes. How's that for loose? It's your chance to get even for your family. You're gonna help us start a war. With who? Everyone. It's a bit like that line from San Andreas, isn't it? Who should we call? Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> Do you know, I watched that the other day and I just couldn't help but shout Ghostbusters. Like, it just has to be done. There's no other answer to that question. What do we do? We rebuild. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love San Andreas. Okay, so... Um, very quickly, this comes to us. Uh, this is this has uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve, who directed the first movie, involved mm-hmm. to, to a certain degree. Old Dennis and uh, old Dennis, yeah, I'm busy with his Blade running, um, <laughs> Blade running, and his Dune and his not Bond. Um, <laughs> And also Taylor Sheridan returning as screenwriter. And the whole thing with the last movie was there was great strength in the writing from Taylor Sheridan because it was, I think, it was his first major project. Mm. And then he went on to do Hello High Water and Wind River. And basically he's really set in a precedent as just this really great writer of proper R-rated adult movies. Yeah. Um, Instead, this time you get the director of uh, Sabura, which was the Italian mafia movie from last year. Really good movie. Uh, Stefano Salima. Uh, big fan of him. Really big yeah. fan of him. And uh, he directed Gamora years ago. He likes his, his foreign language crime movies. He's very good at them. He mm-hmm. makes them very gritty. makes them very raw. And he's the perfect match for this material. Um, this is a lot more conventional a narrative than the first movie. Is the first movie very much like to wade around in the murkiness of yes. that world, and the fact that Emily Blunt's character kind of started as innocent as she was and ended how she did, it, it was naturally lent towards that. It was exhausting that film. It was. It was because it was relentless. Yeah. This is as relentless, but a lot more straightforward mm. because you've lost a lot of the, the introspection. Right. That you got with the Emily Blunt character, and the focus she was such a great character. She was the focus now is Benicio del Toro. It seems mm-hmm. he's he's now the central figure, and it does feel a lot like let's take the best supporting character and make him the forefront. It's it's kind of what happened with the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Like right. in the first movie, Jack Sparrow is not the main character, but everyone loves him. So when you make the sequels, he's got to be the primary character. There's a lot of that here where everyone loved Benicio. Now it's Benicio's movie. Tell, tell me it's more successful though than uh, Jack Sparrow. It, oh, it's a lot better a sequel. I mean, it's a great movie. It is a yeah. really great movie. It is hard. It is brutal. It is relentless. It's fantastically shot. Wonderful cinematography. 
uh, really great score, very ominous, threatening score mm. that just keeps the, the dread going all the way through it. You never quite know where it's going, and you hope that that will lead to some genuine surprises. It does wimp out on the surprises. There is a certain plot mechanic, for instance, involving Benicio's character uh-huh. that is a lot wimpier than you would want it to be, and he's clearly there because, well, we've got to have a chapter three. And, yeah, I didn't mm. quite want that. I, having said that, I thought the film was terrific. I thought Josh Brolin was great. I thought Catherine Keener as the sort of new boss, mm-hmm. great. Benicio, always fun to watch. There's a, there's some great interplay between Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin. Yeah, I bet that's really fun. It is. And, but, I mean, to be fair, the hints that we got that in the first movie were yeah. great as well, and there's a lot more of it here. Um, if you liked the first movie, you'll love this, but when you stop to think about it afterwards, you will have to admit it is a weaker sequel. Mm. It's a weaker film. Still a great film, but it is a weaker film. Having said that, the bar is already so high on this that it can slum it and still be terrific. Still pretty successful for yeah, a sequel. Exactly. And, I mean, I, I personally can't wait to see this again. I, I want to double bill the pair of them again. By the way, for the record, on this show, Forevermore, mm-hmm. this is just going to be called Soldado. I've, I've not got time in life to be putting colons, day off, and all that nonsense in. It's just Soldado. Soldado means soldier. That should have been the tagline. It's Soldado to me. Change and approved. Change approved. There we are. If we're going to cougar town this, change approved. <laughs> With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. And we're back, Ms. Needham. So, uh, before we get to uh, some more film news, let's uh, have a quick look at The Endless, which is out this week as well. Uh, this is uh, brought to us. This is written and direct. This is written and directed, written and co-directed. Sorry, by Justin Benson, mm-hmm. um, who also stars as well. Um, co-director Aaron Moorhead, and uh, right, who I mean, he also co-stars as well. It, it's it's very much a sort of insular. Uh, it's a very ins- yeah insular is the word you want. <laughs> um, this is kind of like a Duplass horror drama. Is the best way to describe it? Like a mumblecore horror drama. Oh, it sounds horrible. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> not the prejudge. It's not wonderful. I mean, it's all right. It's pretty good. It's it's not wonderful though. The general gist is you've got two brothers, two mm-hmm. adult brothers who have been been members of a, of a UFO centric cult mm-hmm. in their younger years. They've escaped together and they've they've gone and made lies themselves. They run a beer company, I believe, like they make salesmen for a beer company. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they after you know they receive a message that, that sends them back to the cult, like to revisit the cult after all these years, try and get some closure. They discover that the prophecy that their cult was centered around which mm-hmm. involves the emergence of, of a second and third moon in the sky, sure. has started to unfold. And it brings into question, hang on, were we wrong to leave this cult? Was was there actually something to it after all this? What, what actually is the story behind it? And therein lies the drama, so here's a clip. How is that possible? It's crazy, right? Some kind of atmospheric mirroring effect. It's like the Northern Lights. Anyway, two moons brings the truth. Three signifies the ascension. All right, that just all sounds like metaphor again. (laughs) No, no. You know that physics equation in my room? Yeah. That's what it is to me. 
I still haven't finished that. So this has a, a great level of intrigue to it. It does build its suspense on its concept really mm-hmm. well. I've got to give them that. It, it, it does. It does genuinely intrigue. Um, I would argue that it's better directed and better acted than it is written. I think in terms of it, the, the problems with it do lie in the story, and I think they do. it does run circles around itself to try and keep itself intriguing. Yeah. Uh, on a basic level, that intrigue works. Uh, the performances are there. I mean, I, uh, I, I, I liked the brothers very much. I liked Austin Moorhead. I liked uh, Justin Benson. Um, I just never quite bought into the suspense of it. I was intrigued, but I wasn't really on the edge of my seat waiting to see where this goes. Like I say, directorially, very strong. Yeah. Performance-wise, really good. I really liked it. To say it's a a film that has no real name talent to it Mm. as such. Um, And the concept's good, but the story isn't quite there. And it it does fall back on its mumble core sort of, you know, origins a bit too much for my liking it really I mean, that clip almost sent me to sleep i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it is one of those films you sitting. if you're not in on this on, on the ground level then it's really not going to be for you i don't think it's particularly going to win you over if you're not already a part of sort of the mumble core scene if you're not really if you don't know your duplasses from your todd salons you know <laughs> then this is really not potentially going to win you over i couldn't show this to my mum on a sunday afternoon and have her enjoy it it wouldn't happen for one thing like well, it doesn't star Ridge yourself, so it wouldn't happen. Hey, that is a serious criteria for that, that really is for me. Um, I did like it, but I, I do appreciate it's very much not for everyone. I do think it's something unusual, though, and that's, that for me, that is a reason to give it that thumbs up. But is there payoff for the intrigue? I mean, obviously, no spoilers here, but it, it, because that's the thing with films these days. There's so many really great ones. You've got suspense, you're really into it, and then the twist or the reveal at the end, you're like, uh, or foreplay, no follow through. Yes. Yeah. Um, Quite. Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, it's one of those films where you get out of it what you put in. And uh, I. I no more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you got a quick piece of film news for me before we get to the top 10? I certainly have. So, uh, you know, apparently there's this film called Top Gun. I don't know if you've I'm familiar it. with it. I, I saw it written on the men's room wall once. Yeah. Something about Wingman. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But apparently there's a sequel, anyway, and there's uh, some folks that are up for the main character so nicholas holt oh nicky holt nicky holt remember when he was just the kid from about a boy with that terrible haircut <laughs> with, his, with his vulcan bowl cut terrible yeah. uh so he's up for it glenn powell i loves me some glenn powell some gwen powell gwen powell that's glenn's sister that's glenn's sister yeah and then the last one i'm not too excited about be honest miles it? teller i'm never excited about <laughs> did you know actually miles teller was meant to be the male lead in a drift which we're reviewing shortly. Oh. And then, because he's worked with Shailene Woodley so many times, they just seem natural. Oh, yeah, of We would have been their fifth film together, apparently. Is it? Yeah. Well, they did Mind a lot you, there's quite a few of them. Divergent. divergent yeah. Insurgent, whatever yeah, they were called. Detergent. Det- det- detergent. <laughs> regurgent. Detergent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Glenn Powell. Give it to Glenn Powell, please. I really... I mean, Glenn Powell should be the Green Lantern. I really want Glenn Powell to be a massive... I love the guy. He's so good in Everybody Wants Some. Mm-hmm. He's in a very small role. He's terrific in Hidden Figures. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just a big fan of the guy. He was in uh, Scream Queens. Was he? As well. He's the guy that has the weird name that's like two first names. Oh, of course. You, you know the one? You're yes. the character? Yeah. The jock who has two first names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love Glenn Powell. I think he's great. And I really, I really want to re watch Everybody Wants Some. But, Just for uh, Glenn Powell. 
Well, just for him and Tyler Hoechlin, who now plays Superman on Supergirl. So, so on the show Supergirl, I don't mean he's Superman on physically on Supergirl. That'd be, just weird. That'd be creepy. The cousins, the cousins. <laughs> I know it's Kansas, but the cousins. Anyway, um, yeah, please give it to Glenn Powell. I mean, Joseph Kaczynski is a good director. He did Oblivion. Yes. Uh, did Tron Legacy. Yeah. Why not? It's, it's Top Gun Maverick, isn't it, I think? No. I don't. Oh, I don't know. Is that what it's called? But it's got Tom Cruise returning. It's got and Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer. Valley's Kilmers. Valley's yeah. Kilmers. Uh, I look forward to it. I really do. Um, and that's coming. That's coming in the next couple of years. But, well, there you go. We're we're for Glenn Powell then. We we are Team Powell. We're Team Powell up in here. Who's so, making it, Paramount? If you're listening, Paramount. <laughs> I think it is Paramount. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we do the top top five for this week? Let's then? do it. Let's get on this. Number five. And we're back and dancing. No? Okay. <laughs> You're so used to that. We, that was our intro for so long. It's uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story. It's fine, isn't it? Have you seen Solo? Do you know, I, you know I enjoy Star Wars. Mm. I just didn't want to see this one. Did you not? I'll watch it. You know, if someone, you know, makes me see it, I'll watch it. But I just, I don't know, I just wasn't interested. It's fine, but you sit through the entire time and just think, this is so unnecessary, so superfluous. Mm. It, it just didn't need to exist. But, you know what, you'd come back and say, yeah, I had a few laughs, I had a few thrills, it's fine. I didn't love it, I didn't hate it, it's fine. You know, it's uh, it's it's the Tomorrow Never Dies oh. of, the, of the Star Wars yeah. saga. That, that's what I'll say. It's, it's kind of like that. I just kind of would have preferred that they did the same thing that they did before. What was the one called, the, the other Star Wars story? Rogue One? Rogue One. You know, it was just unfamiliar characters... You'd rather have something I'd new. I'd rather have something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than, oh, here's young whoever. <laughs> do, we, do we have a tweet on the matter, though? We do, of course. Uh, so this is from at Earth Eagle GT. Earthy, okay, there. Sure, why not? Yep. Um, and he says, uh, just watched Hashtag Solo, a Star Wars story. It was way better than I thought. I don't understand all the hate for it. Fair. Number four. Deadpool. We've got Deadpool too. Did you like this, Avin? Because I've not had a chance to talk to you. We haven't talked films in a long time. I know. So, did you like Deadpool 2? I, I did. imagine you saw it opening day, can I? I, I? Yeah, I saw it pretty pretty quickly. <laughs> pretty quickly. Yes, I did. I enjoyed it. it. I mean, it's nowhere near as good as the first one. It's not, is Let's it? Let's be honest, it's not. It's but, still good. But it's still good. It's still yeah. good. And you laughed a lot and you had laughed. some fun with it. Though, I mean,. The baby legs, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not as funny as Baby Hand, though, is it? No, it and wasn't. That seems to be the perfect analogy for the film, actually. Yeah. Baby legs, funny, not as funny as Baby Hand. Yes. Yeah, agreed. I feel like that sums up Deadpool 2 for me. So, has anyone tweeted in the affirmative, in the negative? What have they said? Yes, we have a lady called Louise, and she's at Adiposite. I don't know. Adipose is a Doctor Who reference. Oh, Adiposite. So, yeah. Um, so she says, finally got to see hashtag Deadpool 2 tonight. So hilarious. Loved it. Especially the first part to the Dolly Parton soundtrack with a crying emoji, like, you know, yeah. crying. Uh, debating becoming Canadian as a tribute to at Van City Reynolds. Well, who hasn't looked at Ryan Reynolds and said, I too wish I was Canadian. Number three. Hereditary. Have you seen this? I'm desperate to. Oh, no. man. I, I think I'm figured, seeing it this weekend. I figured because you didn't leap up with excitement that you hadn't uh, seen it. You well, know how much I love horror films. Or I, actually, I figure you didn't leap up with excitement or hatred. And it seems to get either. Yes, yeah, so I, I hear. I don't get the hatred personally. And, I've, and, and every time you get 
you know, like more than two or three critics in a room the last few weeks, mm. Hereditary just comes up yeah. in conversation. Like, did you like Hereditary? Did you hate it? Or did you were you on the fence? And I'm one that really loved it. Mm-hmm. And there are some who hated it, and there are some who sort of sat on the fence with it. There are some who, you know, kind of half and half, like liked it and then didn't. And uh, Kermit, for instance, liked it and then didn't. Ah, uh, sure. Um, what has he thought about it? And well, it like, was it. He seemed to like the setup, and then didn't kind of like where it went. Uh-huh. I loved it. I thought it played a really good shell game with uh, with, with kind of what it was about. But this I, is it. I'm like, I want to know nothing. That's it. If you know nothing, it plays that that sort of you know the nut in the cup in the three cups kind yeah, of yeah, game yeah. with with what it is about. The problem is that once it does show you its hand, once it does show you what it is about. It is a little bit predictable. You have seen that movie before. Yeah. But it is very well done. It's really well done. And it, I think Case and I said, uh, we agreed, sorry, it was, uh, it was kind of, this was to A24 what Kubo and the Two Strings was to Laika. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not their best movie, but it's kind of a greatest hits. It's kind of a, this is, you know, the best bits from all of our movies. Doesn't yeah. mean it's the best movie. It just means this is the showreel. This is what we show our friends when we want to say, what, what is it we do? We make this. Nice. So, who's tweeted us? Go on, what we got? Uh, so, we've got at Chad Zapier. Um, sure. And they say, if you want to feel that weird, disturbing stomach feeling, then watch Hereditary. Couldn't agree more. Number two. Life uh, finds a way. It's Jurassic World. Fallen Kingdom, I want to say. F- Fallen Kingdom. What was wrong with Jurassic Kingdom? Anyway. I know. But uh, have you had the pleasure? I have, indeed. Okay, because you, you like a good Jurassic Park movie. I do. You like a bit of Chris Pratt. Oh, I definitely you do. You love a bit of Jeff Goldblum because you're human. You've got two eyes and a heart, don't you? So, yeah. yeah. So, what do you think? Same as Deadpool. Same as I Deadpool. liked it. <laughs> you didn't love but it. But it wasn't as good as the first one. When you say the first one, do you mean Jurassic World of or course, Jurassic yeah, Park? Yeah. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> it's obviously not as good as Jurassic Park. But no, I mean of the world. Of Jurassic, of yeah. Yeah, it, it's just not as good. And I, I feel like it's, it's one of those films where, and this is going to sound really stupid because it's a film about dinosaurs, mm. but I feel like even more so than Jurassic World, you have to suspend your disbelief. Well, yeah, I mean, to no, enjoy it? no heels you know I mean? this time, at least. It, yeah, well, <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? You just yeah. have to kind of go, yeah, that's ridiculous, but I'm watching a film about dinosaurs. I think now that they've taken it into the sort of realm of, of you know, uh, genetically crossed dinosaurs yeah. and all this stuff, I think we it has gone in a far more outright sci-fi direction than yeah. it already was. Jurassic Because Jurassic Park, you watch it, and you really don't feel like you're watching a sci-fi movie. No, no, no. And I think with Jurassic World and now Fallen Kingdom, I think you do feel now like you're watching a sci-fi movie movie yeah i mean we need to have a word about that ending but we'll do that when we're not recording oh we can do the podcast extras yeah spoiler alert for the podcast we can talk that ending because it's gonna go nowhere because this series does not do consequences indeed so has anyone tweeted they have they have indeed so we've got at rocky marie um and they say jurassic world got me in the feels i cried laughed had a few panic slash anxiety attacks throughout but honestly 10 out of 10 and then we've got a couple of dinosaur emojis I, I don't agree with the 10 out of 10, but yeah, I mean, I cried like a baby. I don't know if you did. I did get emotional at a point. Oh. I did, because I was I was surprised how much I had inadvertently grown to care for those dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Number one. Ocean's 8. Now, uh, did, you, did you go and see this? Not yet. Can you believe it? Well, actually, because I'm, I'm, there's still a lot of coverage being given to this. I think because mm. it came out so much later in the US. It came out like two weeks later in the US, wasn't it? And you think, oh, okay, that's weird. But everyone's still talking about it. Uh, it's perfectly fun. 
it, it's you know it's it's a breezy. It's like Ocean's Eleven was. Yeah. Nobody was going into Ocean's Eleven again. This is going to be next year's Best Picture winner. No, you not like happen. easy fun ridiculousness. Yeah. It's a camaraderie. Yeah, a romp. A That's romp. what you want. You want a romp. You want a romp with eight ladies yeah, and nothing finer. And well, it it seems that you know most ladies and gentlemen would would you know would have taken away Kate Blanchett as the most fun thing about this romp. And I can't agree you know any more with that. That's that's absolutely brilliant. Kate Blanchett is the bomb in this movie. It's worth seeing entirely for Kate Blanchett. Excellent. So has anyone tweeted? They have indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got at God damn it, Stacy. Okay. God damn it is. God damn it, Stacey. Uh, and she says, Kate Blanchett in Ocean's 8 kicked me so hard up the Kinsey scale, I'm slightly winded. You know what? Absolutely fair. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back, and who doesn't love a bit of Back to the Future? So, Ms. Needham. Shall we, uh, shall we retire to the bookshop? I think we should. Okay, so the bookshop is the uh, latest film from Isabel Quasset, who uh, directed My Life Without Me in 2003, mm-hmm. which uh, I had forgotten was like young Mark Ruffalo and Scott Speedman. Remember Scott Speedman? No, who's he, that? He was, he was in that TV show Felicity, and they turned up in like Triple X 2. And, so he was and then like the Jeremy under- Renner of the time. Yeah, he was the Jeremy Renner of the time, and then he's like the Underworld. It's a love interest Sorry, in the Underworld movies. Uh huh. Oh, of yeah. Course. You remember yeah, him with, with the, he has a lot of with hair. The hair, big hair, with the hair, big hair, lots of product. Yes, lots of product. Very coif or coif. You can imagine that yeah. wasn't nice to run your fingers through. No, no. I imagine you got stuck in there. Anyway, anyway. so oh, Sarah Polly was also in it. Incidentally, let's never forget Sarah Polly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, the bookshop is set in 1959 in Britain. It's. Uh, and it's very much about the times. It stars Emily Mortimer as a young woman who wants to open a bookshop in a relatively, uh, relatively, uh, I would say, exclusionary community. Mm-hmm. Um, she then, she then finds because she's turned an old house into this bookshop, she meets resistance to the community for that first. But then, in terms of the book, she, books she wants to sell, which are revolutionary for the time, Ooh. and this is exemplified best through Lolita, for example. Oh, she sent a copy of Lolita. Uh, she very quickly finds herself at odds with the community. Uh, it also stars uh, Bill Nye and nice. uh, Patricia Clarkson. And guess what? We got a clip. You live on your own, don't you? You've just moved into the old house. Yes, I'm the one opening the little bookshop. <laughs> Many of us are not at all convinced by the sudden transformation of the old house into a shop. You do understand, don't you? Dear madam, no one has plucked up courage enough to sell books in this forsaken coin of the world. My first customer. Completely forgot. It does also star James Lance. Who? That's what his agent says. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I set you up for that, clearly. You kind of did. Um, perfectly capable performances. I mean, no, you're never going to see Bill Nye give you a bad turn in a movie. Uh, same for Patricia Clarks and same for Emily Mortimer. Big fan of Emily Mortimer. I love The Newsroom, for instance. Yeah. Uh, 51st State. You know, movies like that. Big fan of Emily Mortimer. Um, the problem with this film is, I mean, it's, say it's adapted from a novel. Is it, uh, hang on, it is uh, Penelope Fitzgerald's novel. Um, Isabel Cassette has, has adapted and directed it. Mm-hmm. And it does feel very much like one of those things that really made a great book doesn't necessarily lend itself to a film. 
Mm. And it has that very much of a sort of uh, ITV 9pm Thursday night two-part drama kind of clip. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even down to some of the casting. Yeah, you'd literally get this. It sounded like the kind of thing that's just going to reinforce the stereotype that Americans have of English people. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) It really is as well. Yeah, we do like to talk about naughty things, but oh. It's one of those, you know, Marjorie, we could be having sexual intercourse right now. (laughs) But let's not. <laughs> like the Family Guy version of British exactly. porn. You know? <laughs> it absolutely is that movie. It's just Family Guy's version of a British drama. It's not to say it's an inherently bad film. It's just not that interesting. Mm. And there are so many ways. And I, I know it comes from, and obviously there is reverence of the source. It's obvious there's reverence of the source material because mm-hmm. otherwise the film wouldn't end up quite like it is. But you do sit and think, if you really loved this material, you, you'd just try and inject something into it Mm. and the story for instance gives you ample opportunities that it could have gone off and done something interesting but it really doesn't bother and you come away thinking it was about capably directed a bit workmanlike it's not particularly visually striking the performances are fine for that cast they're about what you expect of that cast but not really at the top of their game you know, this is no one's calling this Bill Nye's best performance or the greatest thing they've ever seen from Emily Mortimer, because again, the newsroom. Um, <laughs> you know, and let's not forget Patricia Clarkson, very much an Oscar baby once upon a time. Mm. So you do come away from thinking, you know what? Decent setup, poor execution. That does. And that's a shame. That that's a shame for me. Right. So, um, have you got any news for me before we go on to the next uh, next review? Well, I've heard that the the writers of A Quiet Place. Oh, I like that movie. Yeah, do you know? I thought John Krasinski wrote it. Sorry, I digress. Uh, no, no, John Krasinski is one of three writers on A Quiet Place. Oh, I see. Well, it's the other two anyway. Mm. Apparently, they're adapting um, Stephen King's The Boogeyman. I love The Boogeyman. Big fan of that. When I was about ten years old, The Boogeyman was my favourite story in the world. Because uh, I, I read it as part of the, the... It was collected as part of Stephen King's short story yes, collection. it was. Is it Night Shift, I want to say? Ooh, it was, could be. It's like 1978, 79, thereabouts. I love The Boogeyman. Always wanted to see it become a movie. But mm-hmm. even I, as a fan, could never work out, like, how would you stretch that to a movie? Yeah, because it's a short story. Yes, it is a short story. And even though it covers a lot of years, Mm. you've never seen The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman, uh, if you've never, sorry, read The Boogeyman. Have you read it? I haven't. I mean, I've I've heard about it. It is the story of a man uh, who's sort of at the end of his tether, his his life is in tatters, goes into a psychiatrist's office and tells the story of, you know, he, he and his wife had a baby. The baby died, caught Aww. death, myster- mysterious circumstances officially ruled as caught death. Mm-hmm. Uh, years later, he had another baby, caught death, only this time he saw something. Yeah. Can't explain it, but he saw something. And then the third time, it happened again. Now, that's all I'm going to tell you. There is more to it than that. And it's really creepy. It is, for, for my money, it is the best thing Stephen King has ever put to paper. It's in pretty good hands then, because A Quiet Place was amazing. I think if they've managed, if they managed to make A Quiet Place work as a movie mm. on the page, they can absolutely make The Boogeyman work. Um, honestly, read the story and the visuals that King King creates, they are just terrific. Just 
absolutely terrific. Genuinely, I've never read better work from Stephen King. Oh, I'm sold. I'm an audiobook kind of gal, so... Uh, I'd imagine there must be an audiobook I'm version sure of probably be. Night Shift, probably yeah. the whole collection. And there are other good stories in there as well. Um, Quitters Inc., Quitters mm. Inc. is in there, and that What's got that? adapted. Quitters Inc. is, I'll just say it's the story of a man who wants to quit smoking. Oh. It got adapted as part of Cat's Eye, which was a collection of short films uh, in the late 80s. Quitters Inc. is, I believe, the first chapter of that, mm-hmm. and it stars James Woods in oh. the short story version. Oh, we don't and like him anymore, though. W- when I read the, that story the first time as a kid, I always envisioned um, Alan Arkin. As as the head of the uh, anti-smoking organisation. That's all I'm going to say. Read those two stories. In fact, okay. The Balcony is also in there as well. Uh, great stories. This too long. It's a long story. <laughs> Re- read Night Shift. There's some great stuff in there. Honestly, you will cool. absolutely love it. Um, so, where are we going to go next? Oh, you like a comedy, don't you? I love a comedy. Okay, you love a comedy. So, you're going to like this. Okay, based on a true story, mm-hmm. tag. Okay. It is the story of a group of friends. In reality, you had a a large group of friends, like like ten of them. Ten friends who, in college, started playing a game of tag. Oh, I do know this. I think I showed you, I think I sent you an article about the true story, like, two years ago or something. It said, oh my god, they're making a movie out of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think it was one of those where I read the story, like, oh my god, in two years' time, we're going to be loving this. I don't quite think uh, the hype is there, like I'd hoped it was, but the movie is here, and it does kind of deliver, actually. And it's got a lot of good actors in it. A lot of good actors, including some that, you know, you hadn't seen the comedy for a while. So, in reality, you had ten friends Mm -hmm. in college, they started playing a game of tag, and what they did was they limited it to one month a year. In reality, it was the month of February... For the purposes of the movie, it's the month of May. Mm-hmm. Not quite sure what difference that makes, but there we are. Well, clearly a lot. <laughs> right. Um, for this month, all bets are off. This game of tag resumes, and it goes on year after year. They refer to it as as tag season. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the purpose of the movie, we have five friends. They are uh, Jeremy Renner, John Hamm, Hannibal Barres, <laughs> Ed Helms, and Jake Johnston, uh, Nick from New Girl. <laughs> right. And they've been playing this version, they've been playing it since 1983, since they were children. Wow. They've been playing this. There are certain rules you can't tag back. For instance, like the person tags you, you can't just immediately tag them back. Got it. Uh, no girls, that's another rule. No, and that's, that's kind of it. Girls so, have cooties. Exactly. However, there is one member of the group who has never been tagged. And that is Serena, sporting, by the way, the greatest pomp, the greatest <laughs> pomp haircut yeah. he has ever sported. And I don't remember this. Jeremy Renner does have something of a weird pedigree for comedies. He yeah, keeps but, turning up. But he's pretty funny. He is funny. Like, he's freaking Hawkeye. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's freaking Ronin. Anyway, <laughs> do you know, I promise you in a year's time that's going to make sense. Sure. Anyway. We'll okay. So, uh, the idea is Jeremy Renner's character, mm. Jerry, is getting married. He's marrying Leslie Bibb from Iron Man oh. 1 and 2 and Marvel Shorts. Um, he invites his childhood friends to the wedding. And it happens to be in May, I presume. It happens to be in May. They That's strike bad planning. Exactly. They, you know, but he makes them strike a deal. Uh-huh. They are allowed to his to attend his wedding on the condition they do not attempt to tag him during the month of May. Now, naturally, this is not going to happen. Their mission is to tag him, particularly Ed Helms, who brings along his own wife, Isla Fisher, nice. uh-huh, um, in sort of venomous form that will remind you of uh, wedding crashes. Ooh. 
And the, the game is afoot to try and tag Jerry. However, he has a particular set of skills. And the way this is manifested for us is in this... Do you remember the, the, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies? Yeah. How time would slow down and he would sort of narrate it in his head. Yeah. Like, you know, crack the brachial artery, smash him on the back of the head, kick the left knee, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Right. That's what he does. He is invincible. There is a, there is a very visually driven clip here, but Jeremy Renner's going to narrate it for us. Hello, boys. So who's it? I am. Callahan approaches from the left. Engage no contact protocol. No hand shall touch my body. Mental note. Bob slapped Hoagie with his hand. Hoagie is now it. Chili. He dives at me in a like fashion. Poor planning, poor execution. Piece of cake. I head for the door to escape. Sable blocks it. It's showtime. Hoagie is tag Sable. He is now fair game. I speed bag him. <laughs> Jerry, you okay? Never been tagged. Just saying. <laughs> I really want to see this. <laughs> you do, don't you? Um, you'll have a great time with it. You will. You'll you'll have a lot of laughs. Uh-huh. Um, I think, to be honest with you, though, you will come away having the same two issues, and they are exactly the only two issues you can have with this film. I think mm-hmm. if you're out for a good time, you will have that good time, but you can't escape these two flaws. Those flaws are very simply, mm-hmm. one, this is a half an hour longer than it needs to be. How long is it? Just under two hours. Ooh, that is Yeah. Long. That's like Judd Apatow. Exactly. There are elements, and as part of the fact that it is that, that bloated, there are a lot of elements in it that are just sort of crammed in that don't really go anywhere. Mm. Uh, for instance, Rashida Jones doesn't need to be in this movie. Oh, but she's um, good. Even though she's, she's introduced as part of a sort of love triangle within the group, uh. doesn't go anywhere. Hmm. But she's there. I mean, you know, she's she's having a great time. She's funny. She's she's never looked better. She's an absolute siren for the screen. Um, doesn't need to be there at all. Yeah, fair enough. My other issue is there are certain things, certain subjects that just represent what Chris Rock referred to once as a zone you don't go into. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to name it, but just to give you an example, cancer, dementia, things like that, you just, you just don't joke about. Yeah. You especially don't actually make them plot points that you then mine for comedy. Oh, no. And then ask the audience afterwards to then still find those characters likeable and investable. Mm. It's a very big ethical problem that this film has at its core. Believe me, you will know it when you see it. Your eyebrows will leap off your head and you will just think, no, you, you, you haven't actually... What? You've, you've seriously done that. It is noticeably the point at which this goes from being kind of a light-hearted boys-will-be-boys romp yeah. to being kind of absurdist and almost surreal. Mm. that this could take place in anything resembling the real world. Because it's the kind of thing that gets you put on BuzzFeed as one of the worst people in the universe. Oh, man. Um, Is it kind of like... um, What was that film with Matt Damon, Downsizing? 
the the kind of was she Vietnamese? And it's it's that jarring accent when yes, you're like the, the racial I mean, caricature. Yeah. yeah, it's that jarring. Actually, it's a very good comparison. Thank you. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, well, um, you're welcome. Yeah, it's a very jarring sort of shift. It does take you out of the film. Mm. Um, you can you will get back into it because there are enough laughs to be had, but you never come back quite as strong as you left it. And that's a fundamental problem with it. Um, having said that, yeah, no, it's such a letdown. Because, I mean, spoiler alert, the, the film does that great thing that all true story films do, where well, over the end, over the end credits, pictures. you've got to see... No, no, we don't get real pictures. Oh. We get real mobile phone footage oh, no of the actual guys. Nice. Uh, there's a story I love to tell about this true story where one of the guys became one of the higher-ups at Microsoft mm-hmm. and one of his friends breached building security to try and tag him. Wow. And it's, we actually get to see a part of that as well. It is fantastic. Um, That's the problem. The true story is still better than the film, Mm. but the film is not bad at all. The film is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Having said that, again, it's too long. There's that story point, which I think is going to be a point of contention for a lot of people. Mm. It's like, did you ever see that movie Tomcats? No. Okay, there's a movie Tomcats, which is, our boys will be boys, let's make a bet, sex-packed kind of a comedy, Mm -hmm. that then goes on a bizarrely prolonged storyline about testicular cancer that isn't funny and basically results in Jerry O'Connell chasing a severed testicle around a hospital. Oh, God. And it really takes you out of the movie. And that's a movie that stars Shannon Elizabeth as its female lead, so the bar was quite low to begin with. Oh, man. Also starred Jake Busey. We're checking out. Oh, you'd, you'd actually love it. Anyway. I like a bit of Jake Busey, but the world has forgiven Kingsman 2 for the horrific misogyny. Oh, you mean the, uh, you they, mean the surveillance device? The only device. way to track this girl is to... Yeah, let's, let's you not. Know. Yeah, let's not. You guys know, listening. We know. We all know. And uh, <laughs> let's not. Um, having said that, like I say, I think on balance, you know, end of the day, you will love it. I think you will have a great time mm. with it. You and John will go and see it. You'll have a lot of laughs. You go to the VIP screen, sit down, have your pizza and your popcorn, and you mm-hmm. will enjoy this. But I do think those two things, they are sticklers. They are they are points that you, you, you can't quite overcome. And I do think it ruins what is otherwise a pretty damn fun comedy. And a, a comedy that's at times quite clever. There is a, a Skype gag in this that you will absolutely howl at. But, you know, again, those two sticking points. And it's a shame because, you know, as far as, you know, great boys will be boys comedies, I wanted to sort of tag this and have it be it. But, alas. With the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen. The on-screen radio show. And we're back. One last ride, Ms. Needham. So, Tell I say... Tell me about Adrift. I was going to say ride. Let's, let's go for a sale. Um, <laughs> okay, so Adrift. Um, you ever seen All Is Lost? No. Okay, well, it, was, it was Robert Redford who was lost at sea, like, sort of shipwrecked at sea. That was the whole movie. Uh-huh. Basically, it's that with a couple. There you go. Yeah. That's the, I, just, I just saved you, like, 100 boobless minutes. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. There boobless are, I'm, minutes? I'm kidding, there are boobs. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm absolutely kidding, I'm absolutely kidding. Although, actually true, Shailene does show us the Woodleys, again. She like, loves it. She, for, for a young, uh, like, sort of YA actress, she's surprisingly unadverse to nudity. Anyway. Because so, it's her body, she owns it, she shows it if she wants. 
I'm, I'm happy for her to show it as much as she wants. Anyway, um, I'm just saying, nobody enjoyed White Girl in a Blizzard. I'm just saying that. Although, you know, I'm just saying I, I did for other reasons. Anyway. Right. <sighs> So, this comes to us from director Balthazar Komikar. Ooh, what a name. Who, uh, he directed the original version of Contraband. Oh, no, sorry, he starred in the original version of Contraband, back mm-hmm. when that was a foreign language movie. And then directed the English language remake, starring Mark Wahlberg in the role that he played in the original. Uh-huh. Right. He then went on to direct Two Guns, and then Everest. Oh. So, actually, he's not a bad director. He can, like, two guns, mm-hmm. pretty damn fun. Like, yeah. slick direction, very t- 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 sub-Tony Scott kind of direction, like Man on Fire kind of direction. Yeah. Um, and now he's he's back with this. And here's the issue. Um, it, it, it kind of is all is lost with a couple. <laughs> Okay. Right. So she is Tammy. She is uh, an American, uh, sort of, you know, that, doing that gap year kind of thing. Just like the gap year. The gap year, you know, just backpacking, bumming around kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, encounters, you know, the young, hunky sailing boy played by Sam Claflin. Oh. And uh, they fall in love. It is meant to be. They go sailing together. He, he takes a job having to sail a couple's yacht from uh, Hawaii to San Diego. But it's How easy. How do people find these jobs? I know, and he gets 10 grand for it. What? Can you imagine that? What? You know, if someone said to you, like, I'll give you 10 grand to drive my Ford Focus from like, Edinburgh to London, you'd be like, hell's yeah. But- <laughs> I'm already driving it. <laughs> <laughs> like, bitch, I'm already in Peterborough. <laughs> 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 Never going to happen, but still. Hey, the offer's out there. We're both available. Yeah, anyone wants it, I will happily do that. But anyway, I'm not stopping in Peterborough. I can't stand Peterborough. Anyway, <laughs> it's like Barnsley, but worse. Anyway, yeah, really, I'd stop there recently. Anyway, um, so uh, they're sailing from Tahiti to San Diego mm-hmm. as, as part of a job to take this yacht. They happen upon a hurricane, um. And he is incapacitated. His ribs, are, his rib cage is crushed. Ooh. His his legs are battered, and he um, he's out. He's kind of out for the count. He's pretty much just a voice at this point. He's kind of an unconscious, semi-conscious guy who's just providing voice, and it is left to Tammy to sail them to safety. Here's a clip. So, what do you think of that? Huh? It's so red. Come on. What? Well, is that how you describe a painting by Monet? Red. If it was red, I would. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that sunset's not red. That sunset is beet-dyed pomegranate. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Ross. Didn't you say it? It's, it's kind of got a Definitely beating. red. No, 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 with a hit of mandarin and flax with the faintest hint of carnelian. Red. <laughs> Red sky at night. Sailor's delight. Oh my god, I think I've thrown up. <laughs> You're not one for the big rom- big romantics, are you? That's not romantic, that's just waffle. And th- this is the problem with it. So here we are. Um, so the film pretty much begins with the disaster. It begins with sort of Charlene Woodley waking up on the boat, uh, you know, mm-hmm. putting the pieces back together, duct taping the holes, things like that. Um, and, then, and then sort of goes through the narrative from there. But also they subplot it with the prequel stuff, with the lead up to how they got there, with how mm. they met, how they fell in love. Um, Sam Claflin is very much the supporting player for this it is pretty much all Shailene Woodley's show and don't get me wrong she's very much up to the task mm-hmm. like she's a great performer 
Like, no one's ever going to say that Charlene Woodley's not charismatic. She very much is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she has genuine screen presence. And you can see that they've put a clear amount of effort into this, that they have really given it their all. And the problem is, it's a bit wishy-washy, as you can tell from the clip. It's a oh, bit... clip was just awful. It's a bit bile-inducing at times. And you do come away from it thinking, do you know what? I felt more romance for Robert Redford on his own on the boat rather than <laughs> the two of you on the boat. <laughs> Um, Balthazar Cormica hasn't really got much opportunity to show what he can do here. There's Mm -hmm. not much that you get to add directorial flair to here because it's pretty much, we're on a boat, you know. Oh my God, I really wanted to sing The Lonely I know, I was just thinking that. Everybody look at me because I'm sailing on a boat. (laughs) I got my swim trunks and and my my flippy flippy flappies. It's like, I'm just stop because I will do with a whole set of lyrics. <laughs> I will go full T pain on your ass. Anyway, um, I suppose perfectly acceptable. I think if you've never seen All Is Lost, then obviously you, you're starting at advantage anyway because at least there's something of element that surprised you. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't help that the character that Charlene Woodley plays is a little bit insufferable. Mm. And there's this whole element for us where oh, she's a vegetarian, but she won't go fishing because, you know, this is this woman starving to, oh, I can't go fishing because I can't take a, a fish's life. And you start thinking, bitch, you're dying. You know? In fairness, <laughs> you know? as a vegetarian, yeah. you, I would rather starve life or death situation i'd rather starve fish is my nightmare really i I can't i'd sooner eat a pig sooner bite into a pig okay but if the pig's floating in the water you kill it and eat it right yes okay fair sorry vegetarian but the whole thing is she just won't kill anything and take its life and eat it and it's it's symptomatic of this and at the end of the film you do get sort of true story montage bit where you you meet she has a fish in the mouth you meet the actual (laughs) you meet the actual uh tammy for instance at the end Uh of the movie and you do get the very distinct impression good lord i bet she never shut up about this either um there is a really insufferable element to it and really you come away from the whole thing thinking do you know what pretty to look at uh shailene's all right in it but other than that there's nothing particular to recommend about the film uh, it's not really one for the Sam Clayflin fans in it because he's not got that big a role he's kind of sidelined mm. by the logistics of what's happening he's kind of naturally sidelined mm. very early on pretty much instantly because you know it opens with the disaster so he's incapacitated from minute one and his only contribution is really in flashback yeah in which case his job is pretty much to be Riley's dream boyfriend from inside out but with a yacht Aww. So, you know, I mean, so, you know, on that ground, maybe my mum would like it, but... <laughs> I, I think I'm, I'm going to uh, have a pass. Yeah. I, I, it, it, I mean, to be honest, for me, as far as watching it a second time, it's a definite pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would suggest it's one, if you really need your Sam Claflin fix and you don't own me without you on DVD, then... Which maybe I know, it I know you be... factually do, so... <laughs> maybe it could be one of those things where when you, you're getting with a guy, it's relatively new, you've seen each other, and when you want to see how far you can push him... <laughs> Like, I did it with John, and I made him take me to the Hannah Montana film. And I had no interest whatsoever in seeing that film. I just wanted to see where the boundaries were. So, thanks, Matt. You, you mean like that time we went and saw Glee in concert together? Hey, that was awesome. Okay, well, I mean, that I was just, awesome. This was the movie, not the actual concert. <laughs> this was, what, my first year review? We had to review Glee? We'll talk about that later anyway. Okay. Anyway, the, film the, of the week. Come yeah. on. Okay, so... The, the we whole... know it's not a drift or whatever okay, it's called. A drift is not film of the week. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's for me, It's I, I would like it to be tag. Mm. I would love tag to be film of the week. Mm. But, you know, those two points, and <laughs> they're a bit hard to get over. Uh, Sicario, hands down. Hey. Soldado. You know it's called Soldado. I do. Soldado 
It's film of the week. Excellent. Absolutely sea soldado. And if say if you've not seen Sicario, watch that first, then get really excited about seeing Soldado. I'd need a good break in between. But uh, I mean, I really want to double build them. I I, I would You're love to. Than me. I'm waiting for the trilogy so we can have an afternoon oh, of, like man. Benicio kicking ass and taking names. I would need like three days nap after. <laughs> What's coming up next week then? So next week, uh, Natalie Dormer has got a thriller. Oh, in darkness. Oh, imagine enough. She is blind in the movie. Oh, excellent. So it is a, a sort of serial killer thriller with a blind blind chick. Excellent. So. We've also got Whitney. Uh, the documentary about Whitney Houston, oh. which screened uh, to surprising, uh, surprisingly, uh, overwhelmingly positive response at uh, Edinburgh last week. Excellent. Uh, we've also got Ideal Home with Paul Rudd and Steve Coogan. Oh. Where uh, I think they are a gay couple who take in, I think it's Steve Coogan's estranged son. Excellent. Uh, we've got The First Purge. <gasps> oh, I'm really looking forward to this. Out on Wednesday next week as well. Bear that in mind, so you can go and see it two days Excellent. before the traditional release day. Uh, we've got Terminal with Margot Robbie, uh, Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. That's out next week, which just looks bonkers. Yeah. Uh, we've got Swimming with Men. Oh. Starring Rob Brydon, Daniel Mays, all-star sort of British cast. We've got that next sure. week. Uh, and last, but certainly by no means least, and I'm very much looking forward to this, Elle Fanning in mm-hmm. Mary Shelley which is a story I've Ooh. wanted to see for years, the story of Mary Shelley. Excellent. And, and I, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure off the top of my head who's playing Lord Byron, but i got to find out. Because <laughs> if it's anyone but Douglas Booth, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> I bet you it is actually... Is it? I've seen the trailer and forgotten. We'll look it up. It might actually be Douglas we'll Booth. We'll look it up. Yeah, so we've got all those to come and more next week off-screen. In the meanwhile, this has been the Kelly Store Production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been Kelly Needham. And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, Podcast extras, Ms. Needham. Yeah, so, news me up. And news you up. Okay, I just learned something amazing. Mm-hmm. Right, you know when you were, you know when you were a sort of kid and you you, you start to try out horror movies because yep. you know it was, like, it was that great point in the nineties. I'd imagine for both of us, I think. We're, I started with The Exorcist. Did you start with the? Did you start with The Exorcist? Yeah, you started strong. <laughs> On you my own, did. I mean, in my bedroom. I went for the shit slasher movies first, <laughs> <laughs> but because because that's where I started. One of the one of the first ones I saw as a kid. I think I was about ten years old. I really started getting into horror movies. Mm-hmm. One of the ones I sort of started out with, where I remember, was uh, Jason Goes to Hell: The Final Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, because you know, as a kid, you just get the concept of of Jason Voorhees. You know, yeah. he's just, you know, he's just a, you know, he's a boogeyman who just turns up and slashes you, kind of thing. Everyone knows hockey mask. Yeah, exactly. It's it's, a, it's because an archetype entirely yeah. to it, unto itself, hasn't it? Yeah. Well, Jason Goes to Hell had a character in it called Creighton Duke, mm-hmm. uh, who was like a... He, he hunted Jason. Okay. And he is the guy who ultimately sent Jason to hell. Right. Um, he was played by Stephen Williams. And Stephen Williams, I think... He was in the original 21 Jump Street series. He was the captain in the original oh. 21 Jump Street series. Um, but I think to most people, arguably... He's probably best known as Mulder's second source in the X Files. Okay, you know Mulder had deep throat in the first season, yeah, and, and then in the second, like when he was killed, he then had uh, Stephen, oh. Stephen Mulder, who was the black guy who he's put the uh, the duct tape of the X in yes. his living room window, and then and then he would turn up. I, f- I think his name was Mister X Could or, well or X. I think it was just X. 
I need to rewatch that. Um, everyone needs to rewatch the X Files, but only until about season four. Oh and yeah, you of can, course. Then you, you can stop because it's crap <laughs> after that. And if they could really stop reviving it, that'd which, be great. Apparently, they are going to stop now. Good. But, do you ever find it weird that the X Files just didn't work as movies? I did find it weird, but then do you know, controversially or not, mm. I hate X Files episodes that are about aliens. Yeah, the, mon- the, the monster ones. of the week ones are better. Love them ones. Yeah, Toons is like the best yeah, kind the of tunes, thing. Yeah, exactly. Toons. The scary doll. Mm-hmm. All, all of that stuff. Love you, all that. Before I get back to the Jason story, you know my favourite X-Files episode is? Mm-hmm. It's called Darkness Falls. It's mm-hmm. from the very first season, and it's where Mulder and Scully go into the woods to like a logger's uh, cabin. Mm-hmm. And they are hunted by these glow-in-the-dark insects <gasps> yes. that they're afraid of light, but they will yes. like fi- they'll feast on you in the dark and suck all the moisture out of your body. Yeah. And kind of like Morbius. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're looping it all back in. All comes round. Anyway, um, apparently Stephen Williams um, is up for doing, is, is involved in a spin-off of Jason Goes to Hell, mm-hmm. centred entirely on that character of Creighton Duke. What, as some With, serial slasher As like a monster hunter or something? Yeah. The, the weird thing about that is, that character was killed. Oh. Like, he died sending Jason to hell. Spoiler. That was, oh. his, that was his arc. <laughs> Maybe it's a prequel. But no, he's just older. He's just older. Yeah. yeah. He's like Benjamin Button. I'm pretty sure, actually, Stephen Williams, the actor, I'm sure he played the granddad, the farmer granddad with the bolt gun in It. You know, the remake oh, of It? yeah. I'm sure he's the granddad in that. Ooh. So, I don't know, we'll see what comes of that. I'm I'm all up for obscure horror spin-offs, like, that's, that's fine. Um, apparently, we've got news this week as well, but you know they're making a TV series out of Child's Play? Yes. And apparently, right, mind you, it did pretty much go TV style. I don't know. I mean, did you see the last one? Did you see was, Cult of Chucky? Yes, in the the uh, asylum thing. In the yeah. asylum, which was I thought was was I thought it was a great like Fast Five equivalent to the Charles Play franchise. Um, but it did leave the series in a sort of weird spot mm. where you could pretty much do whatever you wanted with it. Yeah, um, the series is going to follow on the continuity. Like Ash versus Evil Dead style, it's going to carry on the series, but mm. on television. Um, apparently, Glenn might be back, which mm. nobody asked for. Mm. It's like a remake of Overboard. Nobody asked for this. Oh, but I do nobody. love Anna Faris. You you can love Anna Faris, just avoid Overboard. Sure. But uh, I mean, you could literally. You know, I'm pretty sure the working title for Overboard is Anna Faris's Mexican Vacation in Oregon. But uh, she's recently divorced. She's you know l- loving life again. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. it let it be. <laughs> We've got to forgive her. Whatever she does over the next couple of years, we just have to forgive her. <laughs> it's like she's divorced. Now we just have to forgive her. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she works. makes a movie as crap as Passengers. We kind of just let it go. Okay. Hey, I liked Passengers. I know, but still. there's a lot of controversy in that. But anyway, I'm not bought on the child's play tv show thing but i'll watch it okay i'll see so um do you remember the first ant-man movie yes right uh i mean obviously i've got a bit of a bit of a bug up my ass about uh, ant-man 2 because i'm not a football fan mm. and uh, i'm more than a little bit pissed off mm-hmm. that in the uk we have to wait six weeks for ant-man 2 Ant-Man and the wasp because of the world cup so it's getting released elsewhere it, oh, it's it's out this week in the US. What? Yeah, it's out. I thought in, we were past those days. Well, it's Wednesday today. It's out Friday in the US. Oh, uh, we man. will get it at the beginning of August in the UK. That's ridiculous. Because Disney decided. Well, we'll the all World know Cup exactly was, what happens uh, at that point. Well, that's it. Um, 
Evangeline Lilly has said as much in interviews. This is stupid. People will just pirate it. Yeah. Which is absolutely correct. I mean, I personally wouldn't because I at least need HD to sleep at night. But, you know, <laughs> I just I can't watch anything. Unless, unless you've got 720p, don't bring it here. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's just going to get spoiled everywhere, though. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Like, Twitter, we're all going to know. Instagram, we're all going to know everything. Well, well, the whole thing with Ant-Man, it was like a rumour for ages that we were going to get the title of Avengers 4 mm. at the end of Ant-Man. Yes. And that was meant to be the big reveal. That's absolutely getting spoiled. Yep. Uh, of there's, an, there's an end credit sequence I've heard murmurs of that I won't spoil Ooh, details about. Yeah, but, again, me. I don't want that... I, I appreciate that I've had the news spoiled for me, but obviously, occupationally, I know that that happens to me, so yeah. that's fine. Plus, you don't mind spoilers as much as... I don't you know, so much, but uh, having but said I that... I do, yeah, as you well know. In this case, though, that information is going to reach you before exactly. that phone comes out. And I, I won't be able to help it. Exactly. So, you know, great, great work there, Disney. Anyway, um, so here's the thing. The beginning of Ant-Man 1. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that really great, like, 1989 sequence at the beginning of Ant-Man when yes. they have Howard Stark yeah. and, and Hayley Atwell in aged makeup yeah. and, and then a young Michael Douglas. Yeah. And it looked really good, it? Didn't was it was very good. Because it was the first time we'd seen that. Yeah. And it looked amazing. Apparently... Well, they, they do it again apparently in Ant Man and the Wasp because they have to set up the uh, they have to set up the original Wasp, right? And you know, there's posters out there for Michelle Pfeiffer looking like she does now mm-hmm. as the Wasp, mm-hmm. you know. And presume I don't know, maybe she's in the quant, maybe they get her out of the quantum realm or something. I don't know. I'd imagine that's kind of it. Um, but they they did film stuff with her in period costume, mm-hmm. like in eighties costume. Mm-hmm. You know, like we saw that bit in the first Ant Man movie where they're on the the missile and yeah. Ant-Man yeah. Wars. yeah. Uh, Michael Douglas apparently has turned and said, I really want them to just do a prequel movie. And I'm, I'm up for that. Just stick stick the green dots on my face. I'll do the movie. De-age me in post. I'll do it. Surely that's going to be expensive. I don't know. I mean, Jeff Bridges went through all the Tron Legacy with that. Did he? Do you remember? There's two Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy. Oh, yeah, of course. There's present-day Jeff Bridges, and then there's the young digital the version. digital. Doesn't look amazing in that case. No, it didn't look good. But the Marvel ones already look better than that anyway. True. It's like the young Robert Downey Jr. already looked better than, like, Jeff Bridges ever did. Mm. But oh, uh, okay. Also, you know, that was a great moment in Civil War. We just got reminded what a hunk Robert Downey Jr. was once upon a time. I know, I loved that part. That was, that was a great moment. I liked that. <laughs> But And not just because I have severe daddy issues and that sequence spoke to me personally. Yeah. Anyway, the less, said about my, uh, the less said about my relationship with Tony Stark, <laughs> the better. Um, did you ever see How High? No. Right, I know John has. I, he definitely has. Yeah, John has definitely seen How High. I've, I've seen, like, bits of it. It's one of those things where it was, like, on in the background at lots of parties. Yeah, yeah. You it, know what I mean? Absolutely, it's one of those movies. Yeah. It really is. Right, so it starred Method Man and Red Man. Yeah. It was, a, it, was a, it was a 90s sort of stoner comedy. Like they smoke their friend or something. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Um, it, it was, um, well, anyway, now we're getting a sequel. Ah. Oh, it was 2000. Bloody hell, it was 2001. Yeah, sounds wow. about right. Wow, okay. I thought that was like 98. Nah. But, uh, I could swear I was still in school when that came out. No, I was in college, evidently. Well, you kept behind. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of every day, but other than that. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, this is a sequel slash remake, so let's just call it a reboot call. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is going to be, this is described as, right, Two young but business-savvy stoners embark on a pot-filled odyssey through Atlanta to find their missing weed, only to stumble upon a vast government conspiracy. 
Oh, you ever noticed these movies are always set, set and filmed in Atlanta now? Yeah. It's almost as if those tax breaks are just the reasoning behind it all. Nah. Uh, yeah. Nah. <laughs> That's very strange. That sounds kind of boring. You like- kind of ruined that. It sounded very Harold and Kumar at first, and then the whole conspiracy thing, and then I've been put off. I still want a fourth Harold and Kumar. Don't we all? I really do. Don't we Just, all? Come on, guys, make it happen. Cal Penn, you're not that busy. 4D this time. Yeah, 4D, 4DX, yeah. Harold and Kumar 4, NPH will clearly do it. John it. Cho's got Searching coming out, but other than that, I don't think he's up to much. They're not doing Star Trek 4 anytime soon. It'll be a couple of years away. And also, nobody's watching Designated Survivor. So Cal Penn has no excuse. I watched Designated Survivor. It sucked. Yeah. Like, started strong ended sucky that's a series that couldn't even make its way by adding michael j fox and bracken mayer to its cast hey isn't aren't they like remaking back to the future or there's some sort of sequel was that just like garbage that's always garbage it comes out like every year there is a story about a new back to the future movie i got really excited i remember years ago fake news i mean i remember years ago there was a story that were doing a fourth back to the future movie that was going to be set in roswell new mexico that dot brown's flying train was Mm. going to be the roswell ufo and that marty's relative descendant would be the one who found the crashed ship and had to protect doc from the government uh-huh which sounds awful yeah but you know what we're getting a bill and ted three so who knows what i know Hey-o. right uh do you know about mile 22 i do not right this is the new mark Wahlberg movie uh-huh it also stars <laughs> what's her name lauren cohen who most of us just refer to as maggie from the walking dead <laughs> well there's no other way to yeah. refer to her. or bella from supernatural because i was a big fan of her in that role uh also ronda rousey and Iko Uwe from the raid oh yeah looking forward to that uh it's directed by peter berg who made mm-hmm. uh patriots day made Deepwater horizon mm-hmm. made lone survivor so you know something of pedigree with uh, mar Wahlberg. this movie just looks like a sort of mission impossible kind of thing but set in our modern world like no super stunts or anything like that okay just like a proper gritty action movie with a sort of mission impossibly kind of team okay um, it's not out yet. It comes out sort of. When is it? I think when it comes out. It comes out in August, right? Mile twenty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, we're already getting mile twenty-three. Oh. Well, we get a sequel. I don't know if it's called Mile Twenty-Three, but well, assumptions can be made. <laughs> yeah. Assumptions. Yes. Yeah, I'll go with that. Um, right. Some of my favourite casting news ever. Right. Showtime are making a limited series. Right. It's going to be mm-hmm. called The Loudest Voice in the Room. Mm-hmm. It is going to star Russell Crowe. As Roger Ailes. Huh? Yeah, you know the, the, the he- evil sleazy head of Fox News who was basically a sexual deviant and one of the worst people in all of human existence? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, Russell Crowe's going to play it, so, you know, good casting. Well, you know. <laughs> I guess. I just, like, really? Uh, I just, like, who comes up with these things? Um, you know we're getting into Men in Black? Yes. Right. Set in the UK, though, right? Set in the UK. It's going to star uh, Sir Chris of Hemsworth, you yes. know, of the Sydney Hemsworth. Um, it's going to star uh, Miss Tessa Thompson mm-hmm. of the Atlanta Thompsons. I don't know if she's from Atlanta. I'm making that up. And uh, Liam Neeson's. Um, Liam's of Neeson's. Liam's Neeson's. Uh, he's going to be the head of MIB. Like, MIB London. The head of MIB London would be Liam Neeson. Oh, I hope he's not doing that terrible, weird accent that he's sort of... 
Does I don't know what Liam Neeson's have... accent has it is anymore. That's what I mean, though. It's just it's like Charlie Hunnam, where you're like, what, what, what is? This? No, no, no. First of all, nobody's as bad as Charlie Hunnam. <laughs> don't sell that man short. Don't take his achievement away from him, because Charlie Hunnam is truly awful at, at accents. What is that accent I, that he's got? Like, what is that? Always remember that great line from Pacific Rim that I never thought about the future. Oh, don't like, actually makes what, me what, what, what are you doing, Charlie? Come on, man. Uh, anyway, so uh, we have a new cast member for Men in Black. Uh-huh. Kumail Nanjiani. Oh. Yes. Interesting. Of, of the big sick in Silicon Valley. And I think we all know I'm a very big fan of Silicon Valley. And I'm also a very big fan of, of Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah. Uh, big sick. I think it's tremendous. Hate him in uh, Franklin and Bash. Oh, I liked him in Franklin oh, and Bash. Was, no. was his name Pindy? Pindy? He was Pindar, but... Uh, Something like that. Forgive the sirens, by the way. We're actually, because of the heat, we have to have all the doors and windows open today. So We're free-flowing. <laughs> We're free-flowing. <laughs> We needed an air current, because otherwise we might die. Anyway, um... True that. Yeah, Kamel Nanjiani is going to play an alien named Pawnee. Ah, so, uh... Pawnee. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I can imagine some cute art for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine that would absolutely happen. Uh, Simon Pegg, meanwhile, has turned out said, it's likely we're getting a seventh Mission Impossible movie. Well, of course we are. And, yeah, I mean, the only question is this time, do we need to get Jeremy Brenner back in case Tom Cruise then doesn't do the eighth, or... Because that seems to be what he does now. That's what he does. You get Jeremy Brenner on board in case the actual lead leaves. At what point are we going to finally admit that that mission is indeed possible? (laughs) (laughs) It's not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. (laughs) You remember that line? That was a terrible line. That's that was a line that was up there. Do you remember when Star Trek First Contact came out? It was mm-hmm. like twenty two years ago. It was that awful line. And they put it in the trailer, which said, You're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. <laughs> and you're just like, Oh, just die already. I love any line that's like that. Like oh, so we're what are we? Some kind of Suicide, suicide Squad. squad? <laughs> Funny enough, in the movie Mod Squad, that's exactly how the line is delivered as well. Yo, what are y'all? Some kind of mod squad? <laughs> Uh, I love it. I, I love it. It's that Peter Griffin moment, it is, isn't it? Exactly yeah. it. Oh, by the way, speaking of Peter Griffin, the the How High uh, reboot called that uh-huh. is being uh, brought to us by two writers on Family Guy, so uh, okay. you know, kind of about the right uh, okay. audience. Um, what was the one I remember? I remember uh, Clear and Present Danger had a line like that where the president says, "These cartels represent a clear and present danger to the United States," and you're yeah. like. Golf clap. Oh, he said it. Oh, he said it. I love it. I love it when they do that. Well, that's the thing Wilson and I have done for years. We always used to just do a golf clap whenever they said the title. When they said the title of the movie, you just do it. Slow golf clap. Slow clap. Yeah, totally it. I love it. <laughs> what is this? Captain America in some kind of civil war? <laughs> it was something I watched the other day, and I honestly can't remember what it was, but it was like that. It was one of those lines, and you really wouldn't expect it. And that's when I love it the most, when you don't see it coming. Mm. A relatively serious film, like Clear and Present Danger, and you have no idea it's coming, and then they stick It's always it in nice there. when they just whip that rug out from under you, isn't it? <laughs> So what else we got? Oh, um, you know, we, we mentioned Morbius, obviously the Jared Leto Spider-Man spin-off. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also we've got Venom coming. Yes, as there's we know. also uh, Silver and Black, which I think is on the draw back on the drawing board at the moment. What's that? Which is going to be about Silver Sable and Black Cat, who are you know two women from the Spider Verse. Yeah, because um, there's this thing about how um, they want to build more female characters than male. In the MCU. Have you heard that? Yes, this is a thing. Uh, and and to be fair, this is going to happen almost accidentally. Mm. Because they, the, the rate they're introducing characters and the rate... They're introducing female characters 
sort of inadvertently in opposition to the rate, or in contrast to the rate that the male cast members of the NCU are sort of phasing out. Yeah. So, you know, obviously Thor, Captain America, Iron Man kind of aren't going to be around in a couple of years. Don't say it. But uh, money on Cap dying in Avengers 4, just by the way, just absolute money on it. Cap has to die. Don't say it. You can keep Thor fine and he apparently wants to keep doing them that's great good uh robert down jr i think they'll keep on as a sort of cameo guy what's chris evans got to go and do chris he wants to direct chris evans wants to go and be a director because you know he's a serious artist have you not seen his beard it's a serious artist it's a serious beard for a serious artist is what that is he needs to understand Um, his space and stay in it well he brought his beard into that space well he did indeed we allowed it yeah but uh, anyway, so uh, the thing is, we're getting so many more female characters into the MCU. I mean, this year we've got the Wasp. I mean, Black Panther introduced a plenty. lot, yes. And they were all amazing. They were. Well, actually, funnily enough, that's a tie in a second. So Kevin Feige said, uh, Feige, Feige, whatever you call him, um, he has said in a few years' time the uh, the female characters will outnumber the male ones. Mm. Fine. I've, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard Marvel fan. I can see absolutely no issue with that whatsoever. The when, when done right, those female characters are absolutely head and shoulders above the male characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what I mean, there's there's there's, there's a certain uh, lack of characterization sometimes with some of those characters. I, I'd, I'd argue like Doctor Strange, where there's a lot of tell, don't particularly show. Yeah. Yeah. We sit and think. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have you know a female character in that place, but okay. Um, he was also took to task over the LGBT component of Marvel, mm. to which he said, "Funny you ask that because that is actually something that we are actually in the process of not even developing. We're actually making those now." He said, "And well, we're gonna we're gonna have two, and one of them is someone you already know." So, yeah. Interesting. That, that is. I mean, and I hope it's not a really obvious one, like it's going to turn out to be Okoye from Black Panther. Because, obviously, with the whole... Yeah, but wasn't is she hmm. meant to be married to... Um... Daniel Kaluuya's character, yeah. whose name I absolutely forget. Yeah. But, yeah, but they'll just... I, I just hope it's something not that obvious. Yeah, no, I agree. But, uh, I Speaking don't know. of LGBTQ, and we were going to talk Jurassic World anyway... Oh, they cut, didn't they? they yeah. They cut the scene that... I can't remember what the scientist girl's name was. Oh, I can't remember, and I had to look her up, because I, throughout the whole of Jurassic World, I sat there thinking, I know this actress from somewhere, where the hell do I know her from? And there's a show I watch, I don't uh-huh. think it's particularly big in the UK, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called The Detour. No. And it stars uh, Samantha Bee's husband, Jason Jones, mm-hmm. who's also her production partner, stars Jason Jones and Natalie Zia, and basically it's the plot of I mean, that movie Vacation, National Poon Vacation. Yeah. Uh, it's basically that oh. as, a t- as a TV series. And uh, it turned out that she played Natalie Zia, the wife's sister. Oh. And that's where I knew her from. And she she's is very good in Jurassic World. By Daniela Pineda. Of course. As Zia is the name of the character. But yeah, they cut out a line where she basically, you know, something with Chris Pratt's character where she was saying, you know, don't date men, but if I did, they'd kind of be like you. Yeah, she said, you're not my type, but if I was into men, yeah. totally be you. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and apparently they cut it just for time reasons. But hmm. you think. But surely you had a few seconds. I mean, I can yeah. think of a few scenes that could have been shaved or, you know, just not included. Uh, yeah, I know. It's kind of like that with Beauty and the Beast and the uh, LeFou bit. Oh, uh, well, that was just 
Yeah. And you start thinking, really? You could have ditched you could have ditched Evermore for this. No. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody wanted Evermore. It's true. You know, like nobody gave a toss about Evermore. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's 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 part of the legacy now. But mm. nobody watching the film for the first time was like, Oh my god, yay, Evermore. Really? No. Like we'd we'd rather have had Gay LeFou. Uh, actually that's not even the one that pisses me off the most. As far as the LGBTs getting cut from uh, movies thing goes, mm-hmm. uh Yellow Ranger, Power Rangers. Ah. That one, that one really gets me. They made such a song and dance about it in advance. Did they? I didn't even yeah. know. And then you watch the film. There is, there is a she's reference. She's the like moody one, isn't she? Yeah, Becky G, who's actually like a, a Hispanic pop singer in reality, oh. and evidently quite successful. I follow her on Instagram. She provides great she images. Um, <laughs> she 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 does a lot of dancing and and choreography and. Oh and shut up! We all know it's fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> just never go on my Instagram feed ever. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to try and deny that my Instagram feed is probably the most perverse thing anyone's ever seen. But it, it, it's pretty much underwear models and Tom Hardy. But uh, yeah. good combo. So, anyway, I'm kidding. Tom Hardy's not on Instagram, is he? So they made what? Well, mm, I don't know. Yeah, they made a really big song and dance out of her being the first gay superhero because obviously powering just technically counts superheroes. Well, oh, that's a stretch. Well, yeah, kind of does. I guess. But then you watch the movie. There is, and it's on Netflix UK now, so you can watch it yourself. But it's terrible. Don't do it. Uh, no, but Brian Cranston, uh, how could you? Anyway, um, they make a very offhand reference to her sexuality. Yeah, see, I don't even remember that. Well, that's the thing. It's very snide, and it's it's delivered by her mm-hmm. in a way that almost just makes it sound like sarcasm. And he's like. I'm not even vaguely going to pretend to take that seriously. You've not put a scene in the film. You've not bothered to flesh that out at all. You've been pandering about it. You're basically flying the flag in advance and then delivering nothing. Yeah. No. You just think, don't bother. Go all in or don't bother. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I just feel, I mean, obviously it's not the same in every country, but I like to think in the UK, Mm. it's also the kind of thing where it doesn't need to be a big deal. You know, it can just be in the background of something. Like, nobody wants some... Eh. All singing, all dancing, I'm gay. See? No one needs that moment, exactly. No, but it's just like, you know, peck on the lips with their partner. Like, whatever, don't care. I mean, it's actually, normal. One, one of the tropes, and this really annoys me, is a trope that I really hate in movies. Uh, there is a term for it, I read in some article somewhere, but it's this shorthand that writers use when they want to be pandering and include an LGBT character, mm-hmm. but they're literally only doing it to be pandering. They don't mm. actually care. And what they do is they just kill off a character and then have their same gender lover be like, oh my God, they're dead! You know, hold the cradling By the, the way, they were gay. But it's, that's the thing, it's never said. It's just like, yeah. you know, it, it's just like a female character will die and then another female character will be like, no! And hold the body. Mm-hmm. Or it'll be like a male character and then another male character. Same thing. And it, it's a terrible trope it's really lazy writing please stop doing it and also please stop dangling lgbt characters over movies and then not delivering them yeah look like lefou in beauty and the beast is that is nothing at that's best. a nothing character as far as his sexuality goes i mean he's barely a character anyway because he's comic relief but really yeah i mean i was severely disappointed because there was a lot of build-up with that i mean i really do remember that obviously it was banned in various different countries because of it (laughs) and then it was literally nothing Uh... shall we talk about uh the ending of jurassic world oh god let's talk about this we have to give some serious spoiler alerts here so if you haven't seen it okay spoiler alert we are going to ruin the end of jurassic world (laughs) okay so jurassic world so which bit of the ending are you talking about 
<coughs> the fact that and it's serious spoiler alerts, so mm. I feel like we've good enough. The fact that they release all these dinosaurs into the wild and mm-hmm. then just bugger off and go, Oh well Eh, someone else's problem now. That's what the National Guard are for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, pretty ah. much. Except there are is it I think there's six that are sold off. I think there's six dinosaurs that have been sold to foreign governments. Yeah, but I, I thought they all got released as well. No, the one there were a few that had already been sold that were in the glass cages that they'd been bidded for and, and shipped out. Oh. So I think the implications is like six that have gone have been sold privately, and then the rest that had yet to be sold are the ones that are nearly get nearly gassed and reduce you to tears and then get freed. Mm-hmm. Right, and then obviously you get like the the Tyrannodons. Uh, did you stay around for the post credits? No, I didn't realise there was one. Okay, so there's a post credit sequence in which I think it's two or three Tyrannodons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the flying to the sky. Yeah, the and they, flying ones, the flying right? ones. And they land in Las Vegas. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I mean, they, they flew the equivalent of, like, what is it, a four-hour drive from... It's a four-hour drive from California to Las Vegas. Yes. So they flew about four hours' drive. Literally, it's just them landing in Vegas, cut to black. That's mm. the post-cred. Um, you do sit there and think, yeah, all well and good, except you've literally tickled our balls with this one before. <laughs> Okay, you literally ended Jurassic Park 3 with, oh my god, the flying dinosaurs are coming for us. Yeah. And then did sweet fuck all with it. It's true. I mean, at no point in Jurassic World is there a reference to, hey, remember those time those flying dinosaurs, like, hacked onto the mainland, like, chewed up a bunch of bitches? It's true. <laughs> yeah, no, that never comes up. But I, I always kind of thought that Jurassic World essentially wanted to pretend that Jurassic Park 2 and 3 didn't happen. <laughs> well, that's why, that's why it goes back to the original island, Exactly, exactly. So well, I, kind of let, I, I, I kind of let that one go. Mm. But I'm just saying, the ending of this, like, it's just so unsatisfactory. I mean, it's designed as... A, I mean, it's, Jurassic World is specifically designed as a trilogy. Yeah, of course it is, and that's uh, fine, and I'm fine with that. So I assume there's a direction But I to go. couldn't understand how the characters who loved these dinosaurs so much to the point where, you know, they eventually freed them and all that and the other just kind of went, meh, see you later then. I mean, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom has serious, serious fundamental issues, like, to its core. Um, like, for instance, like, I don't remember them killing off James Cromwell's character. I swear I don't I, I had to wiki it to check, and according to Wikipedia, Rafe Spall killed him. And I'm like, I don't huh? remember that. What? Rafe Spall apparently killed his boss in the movie. And I'm like, I have no memory of that happening. Me neither. No. But oh. also, in terms of shitty things that Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I keep saying Jurassic World, I keep meaning to say Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, in terms of shitty things that it included and then did nothing with, mm-hmm. can we just address the fact that at some point in that movie, it came out that they'd been using dinosaur cloning technology to revive dead humans? That never goes anywhere. Oh, with the the girl. The little girl. Oh, I do remember him killing him. Sorry. You remember now, because yes. it is to do with the little girl, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. He puts a pillow on his head, doesn't he? Yeah, I've forgotten that. Mm. That's how forgettable that was. Yeah, indeed. But yeah, you're right, exactly. But that again, I kind of thought, well, maybe they're going to pick up on that. Yeah, maybe in the next Another one. Another time. But... Yeah, but I'm sick of... Oh, we've introduced this one thing, but we won't do anything with it for the sequel. Yeah. But yeah, cheers for that, pal. Why don't I just wait for the Come box set? next time. yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I did enjoy the film. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it. It's a spectacle. I I wouldn't be jumping to go and watch it again quickly. Whereas I would watch Jurassic World any day of the week. I love that film. I really love that film. It's on like Netflix. <laughs> I watch it every day. That first park was legit. Legit. I just... 
it Can just... we just talk about how absolutely sick that gag is? Right. Jake Johnston walks into Jurassic World, a place he works at, wearing the T-shirt of a place where a massacre took place. Where many people died. So just to put that in context, just, a couple of people just, got just imagine, just imagine, you're a dude who works at Freedom Plaza, right, in New uh, York City, and you walk in wearing a t-shirt with like the smouldering ruins of the World Trade Center printed on it, and then you go, yeah, those first two buildings were legit. Yeah. Like, how much of a sick bastard would your co-workers think you are? No, that is a complete... Fl- See, I just forgive Jake Johnson everything, but you're absolutely right, that is pretty yeah. bad. That's pretty goddamn sick, isn't that it? That is pretty bad. Oh, yeah, first part was legit. What, was it Was it the scores of dead people that legitimised it for you, was it, Jake? Wow. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so we were talking about the, the Spider-Man uh, thing. We were talking about Morbius earlier. Um, there's another Spider-Man spin-off coming. Mm-hmm. Right. And they wanted to do uh, Silver and Black, uh, which I think is, yeah, it's still, it's still listed as being in development. Okay. Um, and that's meant to be sort of the, the girls' one. The girls. That's, that's the girls' night out movie kind of thing. Again, though, separate from MCU. So we're still talking Sony at this point? Still talking Sony. They are officially referred to as MCU adjacent. Of course. Yeah, which is a nice way of saying we have exactly naff all to do with the MCU. We just can't use Spider-Man, even though our character looks like Spider-Man because he's meant to be the evil. But never mind, never mind. I'm getting off topic. Move on. I hope the movie's good. I it really will be do. Explained, I'm I sure really of do. It. Tom Hardy deserves it anyway. I'm sure it probably will suck. But it will. It we not. know it will, but we'll see it anyway. So, Silk. This is another one we're having, and this is also female centric. Uh-huh. Right. It's a bit of a lazy one, okay. although frankly. The cynic in me is really surprised this wasn't the first one they did. Mm-hmm. Right? Silk is a character called, is it, uh, Cindy Moon. Right? Cindy Moon is a high schooler who gets bitten by the same spider as Peter Parker. So, guess what happens what? to her? She dies? <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> the end. <laughs> Mrs. Moon, why did you think your daughter would survive a radioactive spider bite? That's just silly. But yeah, um, no, she, she becomes Silk, which is basically Spider Girl, for lack of a better uh, term. So, yeah, bit of a lazy one, that one, isn't uh, it? We want to do Spider-Man, but we don't have Spider-Man. So, um, we did a Spider-Girl. Spider-Woman? So, does, uh, presumably this must happen at the same time that Peter Parker gets bitten by the spider, because I don't know what the lifespan is of a spider, albeit radioactive. I'm not really... Can't imagine it's... I mean, this, this spider got point. around. Well, clearly. Yeah. I mean, the big selling point with Silk, I mean, from a sort of marketing standpoint, there is one unique, genuinely unique selling point to her. Mm-hmm. She's Korean-American. Oh, okay. So that... Is enough to make us, in, in a very crowded marketplace, that kind of is enough to make her stand out. Yeah, but why couldn't she just be a superhero of her own standing? Why is it going to be uh, the spider then, you know? When why, is there, why, is the, why is there a Kid Flash and an Aqualad? Well, I didn't even know there was. <laughs> yeah, the same point stands. Yeah, there is an Aqualad and a Kid Flash. Like People just run out of ideas and they just kind of go, oh, I'm just bit by the same spider as that guy. <laughs> Fell in the same vat of goo as that person. Actually, I really want to meet the guy that named Aqualad. Like, Aqualad. That's how outrageous. high was he that day at work? That is outrageous. Imagine that. Like, okay, we need we need a name for Aquaman's sidekick, and there's just like one really baked dude in the corner. He's like, oh, no, Aqualad. Like, like who can? Uh, like lad, but okay, yes. I'll go with Aqualad. I watched Braveheart last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
I've just been watching the uh, the Oxford rowing. Aqualad. <laughs> Pretty much. <yeah. laughs> now that's really bad. Uh, Anthony Mackie and Frank Grillo are going to do another movie together. Because, you know, technically they have done two Marvel movies together. So. Oh, is he going to be in Purge? Frank Grillo. Frank Grillo. I don't know, because it is a prequel. Yeah, but, you know, he must have been so, alive. And there was, like, a backstory. I don't know. We'll see. It's entirely possible. We'll see. We'll leave that for a nice surprise. Uh, Scoot McNary has joined uh, the new Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, if Scoot. You're not- Scoot? I know. Do you know Scoot McNary? I know his name, but I don't know who he is. Uh, do you remember uh, Batman vs. Superman? Uh. Do you remember that character who served no function to the plot whatsoever, who had no legs but climbed up on the Superman statue and spray-painted him false god uh. and then sent Bruce Wayne threatening letters and then blew himself up in the House of Congress? Uh, vaguely. In the Capitol building, sorry. Yeah. You know that really good actor who's in that movie for no fucking reason whatsoever? Yeah. I just want to point out, we've, I've had a few drinks today, so, you know, <laughs> it's, it's podcast extras, we're fine. <laughs> It's summer. It's it's summer, summer day drinking is what it is. We're getting frisky. He was in Gone Girl, actually. Oh, was he? Yeah, he was her ex boyfriend who Ben Affleck went to meet. Ah, uh, yeah. Who said, "Look, I didn't rape her. She actually did all that stuff kind of to herself and then blamed me, but everyone believed her." Yeah, that yeah, guy, yeah. the one who isn't her ex, who isn't Neil Patrick Harris. Got it. That's yeah. Scoot. That's Scoot. Good old Scoot. Scoot McLarry. What's he doing? Oh God! Scoot. If he ever has a sexual assault scandal, that will be the headline. Ooh. Scoot McLarry. Um, oh wow let's hope not yeah let's hope not uh scoop no, yeah that's that's it so he's gonna be uh he's gonna be popping up in oh god i had it up on the screen <laughs> that's because we joining... distracted ourselves yeah we distracted sorry the tarantino movie once upon a time oh yeah of course uh the first pictures came out today actually of, i thought we were uh... still mad at tarantino have we forgiven him no, no, we collectively have forgiven him i personally don't have much time for tarantino yeah me neither because i saw reservoir dogs i saw pulp fiction and then I pretty much, I was done about then, to yeah. be honest. Jackie Brown, I mean, admittedly, I was 15 when Jackie Brown came out. It's it so old. bored the ever-loving piss out of me. Most Tarantino movies do bore me. What came after Jackie? I think after Jackie Brown, there's something like a seven-year gap, and then Kill Bill 1 and 2. What about Dust Till Dawn? Or did he not direct that? Was no, he he just pr- I that? think he's a producer on Dusted Law. He stars in it, but I think he produced it. Because, I mean, that, it. in fairness, love that film. Oh, I love From Dusk Dawn. But From Dusk Dawn was before Jackie Brown. Was it? Yeah, it was about six months before Jackie Brown. Ah, well. uh, fair enough. Fair I, lo- enough. I love Dusk Dawn. Never got into the second series of the series. I, I've never watched any of the sequels. I'm like, that film is lovely as it is, and I'm going to leave it as such. There is not a single day goes by that I do not debate getting that George Clooney From Dusk Dawn tattoo. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'd, I'd obviously shorten it on the neck because I'm, I'm, you know, I've read a book, so <laughs> I can't have a neck tattoo. I've read books, but uh, yeah, love a neck tattoo. Yeah, Jamie Bell has joined the uh, the Elton John movie. Yes, I heard this. Yeah, could be interesting, but who? He's not Elton John, right? No, no, Taron Egerton is Elton John. Oh, of course. Oh, actually, that's a pretty good shout. That's not bad casting, is that it? That is a pretty good shout. Like, I could see that. Although, the reality behind that bit of casting is purely because they let Elton John amuse himself on Kingsman 2 for a couple oh, weeks. Oh, God. Do you know I completely blocked that out? Oh, it was so bad. I mean, I've it? generally blocked that film out oh, for many reasons. Oh, oh what's that, Elton? <laughs> you, you, you know curse words. Oh, that's impressive. Why don't you? Why don't, why don't you do some more? Just and then, do and some then, swearing. Yeah, do, play do the that. piano. Yeah, you're outraged. Yeah, can, can you kick and say? Can you kick and drop the f bomb? 
Oh, that's impressive. Oh, Thank- Elton, that's you're still why, here. Yeah, that's why you're pop royalty, isn't it? Yeah, cheers, Elton. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, because mm. Kingsman is not much of a leap from Kingsman to Kick-Ass. Sure. Um, Kick-Ass is getting rebooted. What? Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this. Mark Miller, sold, who wrote the Kick-Ass books, yeah. sold his label to Netflix. Ah. Right. Netflix got into the comic book business. Mm-hmm. And actually started publishing comic books. Did they? Yeah. Starting with Kick-Ass. So Mark Miller launched this whole new wave of Kick-Ass books. And he's got, like, guest writers on, like, Kevin Smith and people like that. Mm. So it's like, there's a new Kick-Ass who's a woman and uh, hit girl and that. But they've turned around and said, well, we're going to do a new film trilogy. He's like, nobody asked for this. I mean, when was Kick-Ass? It wasn't even that long ago, Kick-Ass was it? Kick-Ass was 2010? Within the last... 2010, 2011? I was going to say, definitely within the last 10 years. 2010, because I was living in my first apartment at the time, so I think it was 2010, like early 2010. And and then Kick-Ass 2 was like 2014 and awful. Yes, that but, was a terrible... Uh, f- we'll not talk about the sequel. Oh, well, that's God. strange. I mean, whatever. Cool. If it's on Netflix, I'll probably watch it, let's be fair. You know, the, thing, the thing that always sticks out to me with Kick-Ass 2, I mean, which is... I mean, the book is really excessive and mm. pretty much a Mark Miller book. Yeah. To, and then you watch the film. And I, I, I walked into Kick-Ass 2 thinking, uh, well, you know, as long as it's a relatively straight adaptation of the book, it should be fine. No, it's not. They take some serious goddamn liberties with... The, the book and the film to Kick-Ass 2. Mm. Um, the most... The, the one that leaps out at you in Kick-Ass 2 is... You know the sequence where... Is he Red Mist? Or, oh, no, he's called... Is he the motherfucker or something yeah. in the second one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Red Mist in the first one. The second one, he's the motherfucker. Yeah. Um, when the motherfucker leads his gang of villains into the suburbs mm-hmm. to go after Kick-Ass's girlfriend... Yes. Uh, Lindsay, but I just... I forget the name. Lindsay Fonseca. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from Nikita. Anyway, um, Ted Mosby's daughter. Yes. Yeah. Um, in the comic book, they violently gang-rape her. Oh, my God. Yes, they, they really... The no-holds-barred, they violently gang-rape her. Well, I'm pretty glad that they decided to say I'm glad that. they didn't. Um, having said that, I would really rather they'd done something else besides what they did, which was this really just shit premature ejaculation joke. Yeah, I can't remember. The joke is, he tries to rape her but can't get it up. Oh. oh and you're like, this is grim. Good lord, really? This is what we got? Okay, fair enough. Just don't do it. Yeah. Just do something else. But now we're getting a trilogy and apparently someone asked Chloe Moretz and, uh, well, I'm pretty sure they won't have asked Chloe Moretz. Chloe Moretz will have just offered her opinion unsolicited. And uh, Chloe Moretz has said, well, no, they've not asked me, but uh, I'm not interested in returning. To which you said, well, you know, you're about 25 now, love, so I'm pretty sure you've aged out of it anyway. Yeah. But, uh, she was the best part of Kick-Ass. That was another one. The ending of Kick-Ass 2 changes the fate of Hit-Girl. Ugh. Because she goes on the run in the film. Mm-hmm. She goes to prison in the book. Ah. They lock her up. But there's loads of little differences like that. But the whole thing with the love interest is different in the books as well. Yeah, but I think with films, though, they're always trying to keep stuff as open as possible, aren't they? Because well, they're thinking, sequel, 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 sequel. <laughs> very true. Might be, they could have sent her to prison, she could have broke her. Anyway, whatever. They uh, make these decisions. They do, they do, and I wish they wouldn't. Um, you know again, a Turtles 3. I heard. I mean... All right, the second one's an improvement on the first. I'll, uh, I'll give you that. Come on, lowest bar going. <laughs> Very low bar. But the second is an improvement on the first. Not a great improvement. 
Yeah, because uh, in the first one, you just kept thinking, where are the characters that we know? Yeah, where's I mean, Roxley B. Bob, yeah, Baxter exactly. Stockman, exactly. Mondo Gecko, Rat King? Any. Yeah, yeah. Any familiar ones that aren't the Turtles, obviously, in Splinter. Do you know, the best comic book I've ever read was mm. a Turtles comic. Yeah. Not even kidding. It's this. Re- there's a really great conceptual, conce- almost conceptual art piece of a turtle comic from mm-hmm. about, I'm sure it's about 1990, and it's and there's a recurring motif about uh, rain evaporating over hot pavement, mm-hmm. and it's and it was all in black and white, and it was amazing. It was a genuinely terrific comic book, mm. and I remember just buying it off the rack in GT News and Crystal Peaks one day. Shout out to Crystal Peaks. Shout out to, well, shout out to when Crystal Peaks had a news agent. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it had a cinema as well. Yeah. And, a, and a virtual reality place. I loved when they had a cinema because you could always guarantee a nice private screening of whatever you watch. Yeah, because no one else went there. That's why there's no cinema anymore. Hey, I told you recently I went to go and see I Feel Pretty and I was the only one in the cinema screen. Yeah, you invited me along. I d- well, yeah. Yeah, and I, was, I think my res- wasn't my response like, no, I've got stuff on, but I'll be really honest, I wouldn't go anyway. Do you know I didn't mind it. Did you not? Honestly, I didn't mind it. I know you had this issue around... The theology of it. Yeah, you have to assume that Amy Schumer's like the ugliest fat saying, I disagree with you. Eh. Her experience is the general female experience, unless you're stick thin and conventionally beautiful. She's Honestly. smaller than her own best friend. No, I know, but I don't uh, think that... Okay. I think it's just it's a self-confidence thing. But anyway... Anyway, ba- uh, Bad Words writer Andrew Dodge is in a right Turtles 3. Well, uh, good luck to you. Good luck to him. Bad Words is pretty funny. Um, uh, Michael Bay will produce... Uh, that'll be it. And hopefully, hopefully that's... I mean, he didn't direct any of the first two anyway, but... Michael Bay just needs to go away. Ooh! Michael Bay, go away, not today. <laughs> not today, Michael Bay. <laughs> not today, my guy either. Um, Dennis Quaid is going to star in a film called Reagan. Three guesses who he's going to play. A dolphin that's lost its tail. <laughs> is that not literally the plot of a dolphin tail? <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah, um, he's going to star in, in Reagan. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's that. John Voight is going to be in it, apparently. Isn't he very old now? John, John Voigt is prehistoric now. Um, now, I would be excited about this, except it's going to direct, be directed by a, pre, uh, um, a man who has previously worked with Dennis Quaid, mm-hmm. a man by the name of Sean McNamara, mm. which weirdly is the name of one of the two main characters on Nip Tuck. Yeah, yeah. There you strange that. Um, but he's also the director of Soul Surfer. Uh. Yeah, you remember that one? Uh, oh, I have severed limbs, but I'll surf again through the power of prayer. Uh, Based on a true story. Yeah, that one. Mm, terrible movie. Uh, uh, what else we got? <laughs> There's other stuff. Um, apparently the first picture's out of uh, Kristen Wiig in, uh, oh, in Wonder, in Wonder Woman. Woman. That's that's coming as well. Um, i trying to think what else there is now. Love a bit of Kristen Wiig. I like Kristen Wiig, but apparently she had a uh, she ended like a, she was going to do her own TV show for Apple. You know this new TV thing that Apple are launching oh. next year, and she dropped out because the scheduling clashed with, uh, uh, with uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah, wow. So oh, that's a shame. That is a shame. But, uh, right, I mean, one more story, and, and then we're done. Okay. And I, I'm not sure if we... I think we did talk about this last week. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know John Travolta's got a new film out? Ugh. Right. Gotti. Right. Critics hate it. Right. We Fake did, news! We did talk about it last week, because yeah. they put out a Twitter ad that was, audiences love Gotti, a critics took out a hit, who would you rather believe, yourself or a troll behind a keyboard? 
Gotti out now. It was embarrassing. Right. I forget. I think it's one of the guys, one of the, the, the Twitter film community, like one of the Twitter film critics, um, did some research. Uh-huh. Because the the critics score which was like a zero percent it got a very rare zero percent on rotten tomato yeah and there's only something like six films that have that oh um, i want to see that list oh it's it's a good list there is a, the, the list is out now because of gotti Excellent. but it got zero percent critic score mm-hmm. now i think it's something that only 22 critics something like that saw it however its audience rating mm-hmm. was dramatically higher oh that's shocking funny that so some investigation was done mm. into just who those audience members were. Mm. And some interesting things came up. Oh, no. Now. This is making me feel In embarrassed already. In a lot of cases, these audience members had never rated another film. Oh, no. In other cases, they had only reviewed one other film, which happened to be owned and funded by the same people who funded Gotti. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Who happened to be Movie Pass? Oh, cringe. Yeah. That's really cringe, isn't it? Yeah, it, it it doesn't look good. Who's still trying to sell John Travolta? He's over. He peaked a long time ago. Leave him be. Not if you ask my parents. <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> my dad thinks he's a fashion icon. My mum, for some mysterious reason, still no thinks offense, he's a sexy man. No offense, your dad lives in the Middle East. We know there's, you know, they're a few years behind on stuff in many cases. That's true. They only just recently got Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> Don't joke. I'm going to tell you this is a true story, right? Genuinely true story. Uh-huh. In 1994, yeah, right. I was wandering through uh, the Egyptian city of Alexandria, where my family live. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> And uh, I, I was just wondering about, and I love the the old. They have really old start nineteen thirties, forties style cinemas there. Yeah, because that's when they were built, and they just they've kind of kept up with the upkeep, but they look a little bit dated. Yeah, right. I want to point out this is late nineteen ninety four. To us in the West, this happens to be about the time that Pierce Brosnan is doing promotional rounds ahead of filming Goldeneye. Uh-huh. If you remember this, it's when we saw pictures of a, of, of a Bond with scraggly long hair and stubble. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. You remember that famous image? Yeah. It never went anywhere, but yeah. Right. <clears throat> so imagine my surprise walking along the seafront, Alexandria turning, walking up, and then happening upon a multiplex that has, as its new release, and I shit you not, I am not making this up, The Living Daylights, starring Timothy Dalton. <laughs> And even at 11 years old, I knew that film was at that point seven years old. Uh, wow. And well, ev- every time I went back to Egypt, I kept noticing that this was the time delay. Seven years. Seven, there was a seven-year time delay on, on Western That's films. crazy. And I think I had a few years where I didn't go to Egypt, where I lived in the UK, and I went over there for a holiday one, once, and... Uh, my my cousin, who now weirdly lives in the UK, lives in Grimsby of all places. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I know, I know. We all have problems. Anyway, <laughs> Wilson lives in Grimsby. <laughs> anyway, um, he's, he's rejuvenating Grimsby. Anyway, um, it's been so, gentrified. It's been gentrified. That's what it is. There'll be there'll be hipsters and, and baristas before you know it. Anyway, uh, so I went over there. My cousin said, "Hey, we got this new cinema. You want to go and check it out?" I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Bullshit. This is going to be hilarious. <laughs> I think so. it's 98 at this point. Uh-huh. It's late 1998. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm sure Wayne's World will be showing. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we went, and uh, the film that we watched was Enemy of the State, which wasn't out in the UK at the time. It was about a month before it was out in the UK. What? And at that point, and this is still the case now, Egypt and the Middle East had weirdly, suddenly, overnight, caught up with films. Hmm. And was even ahead in some cases. Whilst on holiday in Abu Dhabi once, I went and saw uh, Four Brothers before it was out in the UK. Uh And uh, the thing is, like, I always get stuck in my head, though. I can't get past this image. There's seven years of missing films there. If you're a film fan living in Egypt. they just don't exist. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, imagine that. You've gone through, you know, you've got a seven-year sort of time delay, right? You're watching films, you're watching films, it gets to, you're watching 1990s films, you're watching 1991s films, and then one day, boom, 1998. So basically, you've gone from, like, Tom Cruise in The Firm to Armageddon, and you've skipped over everything in between. So you've never seen Speed. Lion King. Yeah, Lion King. Speed, Titanic. Baby's Day Out, yeah. shit like that. True Lies. They've never seen True they've Lies. They, they don't, don't exist. Yeah, they don't know there's a Terminator 2. <laughs> you know, well, mind you. They know there's a Wayne's World 1, but not 2. Yeah, yeah you know. Oh, how dare you. I know. John's going to disown me. Yeah, technically, <laughs> technically speaking, Wayne's World 2 is a better comedy. Wayne's World 1 is a better film. But, I know. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So imagine that. There are people in the Middle East who That's just strange. one day lost seven years of cinema. So Somebody should make a film about that. They should. Oh, my God. In fact, think of it this way. They have no idea where Mark Wahlberg came from. Think about that. Because to you and I, Mark Wahlberg came from the movie Fear. Yeah, but they can just imagine so many other great places they came from. <laughs> yeah, from the great Mark Wahlberg cinematic back catalogue. <laughs> One day this dude just turns up and looks like a shrunken John Cena. <laughs> Did they know who John Cena was? God, no. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it. If you've missed most of the 90s, like, where did Hulk Hogan go, for instance? Like, they don't know. He's just gone. He's just disappeared one day. They have no clue. Yeah, we should uh, should make a documentary about that. Could you imagine not knowing that Schwarzenegger's career went in the toilet? Oh, that made me quite happy. One day he's just vanished. I mean, on the plus side, they did miss out on Batman and Robin. No! love them <laughs> guilty pleasure on movies the, on the unfortunate side they also missed out on batman returns and to a lesser degree Batman forever but hmm. yeah you know it's one of my guilty pleasures which one batman and robin yeah good lord i know <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong I'm a, I'm a big fan of the idea that they had to for gen for uh for you know uh what do you call it gender equality reasons mm. include what's effectively a bat tit shot it's true but I mean, to be fair, I still open my, my door to beautiful women the same way that Chris O'Donnell answers the door in that movie, which is, <laughs> please be here for me. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. <laughs> On which note, here it is, your particularly insane moment of cage. Ah! Somebody's going to kill me, man! Ah! 